welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Serial Sensei. We are on episode number 139. As always, you can give this podcast a listen on SoundCloud, iTunes. If you're on iTunes, please rate, subscribe, and leave a review. You can also listen to us on Spotify as well as Google Play. Hit us up on social media at the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page as well as the Dojo Talk Podcast Instagram page. Send questions to Dojo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. And you can follow me on Twitter as well as Twitch at Serial Sensei. And you can buy my book, The Oddball Chronicles, for a very cheap price of 99 cents on Amazon if you choose to do so. So, of course, as always, I'm joined with my co host, Antakul. What's going on, man? Uh, not much. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. It is a nice, looks like it's going to be, hopefully if Mother Nature doesn't uh, pull the 180, it's going to be a nice sunny day. Toy Story 4 is out, which is always a great thing. Um, made it through the work week. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling well rested, considering yesterday was like 24 hours of fights. Um, it never stops. Right. <laughs> I'm actually feeling... Feeling not so not not as bad as I thought it would. I, I was so tired. I was just done. Yeah, I was I was spent. But woke up this morning. I felt felt feel pretty good. Feel pretty pretty refreshed. Um. Yeah, there, there are a lot of uh, a lot of fisticuffs to talk about. Um. But before we get into that, as always, uh, shout outs to the listeners, man. Twitter, Tumblr, to folk, wherever you are, listen to this. Uh, share, pass it on to the friend, co-worker, grandma, girlfriend, boyfriend, um, you know, you're on a date, you're waiting in the line at the at the DMV, which we all hate, you know, just tap somebody, tell them, hey, listen to this while you wait in line so they can uh, make you pay for your tags or whatever you're doing at the at the DMV. And then uh, they'll be like, who the fuck is in the Moicano? Right. <laughs> Just, you know. Use that as a conversation starter, man. Share with a fight fan. Um, as far as top cities for the week for listeners, number one, San Francisco, California. Number two, Sydney, Florida. Number three, Monroe, Washington. Number four, Miami, Florida. And number five, uh, Williamstown, New Jersey. And also, shout outs, time for number five. A couple of places tied for number five, actually. I'm going to shout all these places out because they're all overseas. Uh, Zagreb. Croatia, uh, Bridge, United Kingdom, uh, Amsterdam over in the Netherlands, Brasilia, Brazil, and Mansoor, Egypt, all tied for number, oh, sorry, Egypt was number six, but the rest of those guys tied for number, uh, number five, so shout out to all you guys, wherever you're at in the country, in the world, we appreciate you. Uh, as far as today's episode, cover a little bit of news, um, not, not a whole lot in terms of fight announcements. Definitely be talking about a lot of fisticuffs. We had UFC, we had Glory, we had Bellator, Bare Knuckle, which I don't really care to talk about, but we'll briefly go over that. 
Think I'm Bad Tay America's had a card. Won't really be talking about it, but just wanted to acknowledge them. Uh, we'll talk about a little contender series that had some some things going on. Uh, so yeah, there'll, there'll be a lot of fights to to talk about. I guess real quick, actually, before we get to that, uh, did, you, did you get a chance to watch the NBA draft? Uh, yes, I was at a pub doing trivia, but I did manage to catch bits and pieces of it. There you go. All right, uh, Knicks. Um, Barrett. Like I, uh, like my my fear is that he's just Tim Hardaway again, and there's not like there's nothing wrong with Tim Hardaway, but we treated Tim Hardaway Hardaway like he was a franchise player and he's not. Like, he, I'm sorry, like I, I like the guy, but he 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 is a chucker. Um, and I, I'm my, that's that's what I'm worried about. I just I'm just worried that his ceiling is he he's going to be like a volume shooter who will occasionally will go like. Seven for thirty from the field, and people will be like, "Oh, he's such a great scorer." I think I think he'll be fine. I, I gotta say, this is one of the few <clears throat> classes of Duke players because I hate Duke. I'm a North Carolina fan, so I, I despise everything Duke. But I I would be lying if I didn't say I didn't go out of my way to watch Duke games just because they had so much talent on that team. And I think all those guys are going to pan out pretty well. I actually saw R.J. Barrett play in the um, uh, the high school All-American game that happened, like, before the college season started. And to me, he was the best player in the country. Like, I think overall he had a, like, people have said this before, like, Zion is box office. But if we're going, like, skill for skill, I think R.J. Barrett was the best player in the draft. Um so I, I think he'll be fine. My only worry is that I feel like the Knicks are cursed. <laughs> so, oh, no, we are. <laughs> did we talk about this last week where, like, if you leave the Knicks, you win a title? Right. <laughs> so, and, like like I said, I, I don't I, – I don't – I hate Duke. Um, but, like, I, I want this trio between RJ, Zion, and Cam Reddish to, like I, – I hope they actually do do well. I, I just – it's an exciting class, and that – I haven't been that excited to watch college basketball in a while. Like, it, it gave us a story. It gave us something fun to watch. So I hope all these guys actually do pan out. But, yeah, my fear is just that no matter how good RJ is, like, the Knicks will find a way to just, I don't know. Knicks things, Knicks, Knicks things happen sometimes. And it yeah, just doesn't. Like the, the Duke one-and-done era has been eye-opening because, like, you have Kyrie Irving. And like, like the whole reason Duke isn't a one and done school is because they they pride themselves so much on education. And then like Kyrie Irving's out here, like, yeah, no, the Earth is flat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so uh, I'm I'm kind of curious <laughs> how they feel about that. Well, that. That's that's like old good North Carolina Duke education <laughs> right there, my friend. I, I think I think RJ will be cool. Z- I think Z- Zion and um. I ain't gonna lie, like I, I was angry that the Pelicans had the first pick, but concerning again, how this okay. again, super pissed and super suspicious <laughs> that the one team who 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 superstar asked to be traded away to specifically two other teams with the best shots at the number one pick ended up with the number one pick. <laughs> And could afford to get rid of their one franchise player. Sometimes life just, you know, it works out. <laughs> who's I forgot? Is it uh, is it David Griffin? Who's their? Uh, I can't remember. Whoever their GM over there in uh, 
New Orleans, man. He is uh he's doing a great job. <laughs> because they, they have like a solid starting five now. I ain't saying they'll be you know about to win and do all that crazy stuff, but they will be fun to watch. Yeah, they're gonna be fun to watch. They they have a nice they have a solid core that they can build on. And I think that's the best thing for Zion is that he can go to a team where no expectations yeah no no expectations and with that starting five like i don't think all of the pressure will be on him to do everything like so that's that's a good a good good start and actually cam redders because i feel like he kind of got left out him going to atlanta i think is actually a good move because they on the low have a lot of good talent they just still got to put it all together they Uh, go to atlanta yeah yeah he dropped to like number 10 yeah yeah yeah, and I think that was a steal for Atlanta. You can have him and Trey Young and all the other young dudes they got over there. That'll that'll be a good look. And that'll be fun to, too. Yeah, that'll be fun. And shout out to my Spurs. We drafted two very, very Spurs-like players: uh, Luca Samanchik, I think that's his name. I don't even know what country he's from. Uh, Keldon Johnson from Kentucky. I like Keldon Johnson. I just watched a highlight of him this morning. He looks, he looks solid. I think if they, yeah, he has a nice. Decent jumper, attack the basket. As long as Pop is around, I, I, I think he'll, he'll he'll be able to blossom into something. But uh, nah, man, it's a good time to be a sports fan. NBA offseason is always fun. Always a lot going on. Uh, so yeah, that was our mini basketball spiel. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, kick this off. We will start with fight news and announcements. Uh, not too many in terms of volume, uh, probably two heavy hitters and then a couple of other. Uh, I feel like heavy hitters is mm. trying to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, one of these is a heavy hitter. The other one is, I guess, a thing, I guess. Uh, but starting from the top. Um, I will say with this one, I wasn't sure if this was official, official, but this is like the direction they're going in, that uh, Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker will be unifying. You know, Adesanya has the uh, interim title. Whitaker, obviously champ, but he's been out. Uh, It's looking like they'll be looking to unify the titles at UFC 243. Uh, I don't think it's officially been signed, but it looks like that's the direction that they're going in. Um, I know there was a little... um... They, they were they, there were at least talks that they were going to put the fight in Vegas because the the UFC inexplicably scheduled it for like the national rugby championship or something like that or was it like a race I can't remember but it, it, point being they had originally scheduled the the card for like this big weekend in like Australian sports where like it probably would have been like you know at least subdued. Uh, the the reaction the UFC would have been looking for would have been at least subdued, because you know Australia is one of those um, countries that actually does pay per view. Yeah. Like I think they do like fifteen to twenty percent of the UFC's pay per view revenue or something like that. So the, I I think they ended up moving the date for when they were going to do it to like October sixth, just so they wouldn't overlap with the with whatever sport event it was. But so it, it looks like it's going to happen in Australia. That's the point. Yeah, and that that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Those, you know, that arena is probably going to be crazy. Uh, I guess real quick, since we're on it, who who, who you got? Uh, yeah. I want to pick 
Robert Whitaker because I think he has the right skills to for uh not not just the pressure out of Sonya, but to get him down. Like I think the thing with uh Gastelum is that he chose to just box with him and never really mix in his takedowns. I think Whitaker is the type of dude who can mix in his takedowns with his strikes because he likes to hop in from distance. And I, I don't uh, I think it comes down to whether Whitaker can pressure out of Sonya backwards enough for him to get the takedown. And I, I'm I'm trusting him to be able to do that. I don't know how his health is. It feels like Whitaker's young enough that like he'll be able to bounce back from all these health issues. He's only 28 years old. You know, there's a dude who took a year off after that hellish fight with Yoel Romero and came back and had another hellish fight that he managed to eke out a win in. So I'm going to put my faith in that. But it wouldn't surprise me if Adesanya wins a really slow-paced kickboxing match with him. It's always hard for me to pick Whitaker fights because every time I doubt him, he comes out and does something amazing. So I always feel dumb when I pick against him. I'll probably flip flop. Don't make this official because the fight ain't official yet. <laughs> but as of right now, at uh, <laughs> June 23rd, 10:18 a.m., uh, I'm going with Adesanya. I'm going with Adesanya. Can't can't give a lot of reasons why. Um, I don't know. I, I think after that Gaslam fight, I, I don't know. Well, I, I think at least for the Gaslam fight, showed me that he can hang in those kind of fights that are just like these brutal kind of wars. Mm-hmm. We've never really seen him have to go through that. Um, I don't know. Would I be wrong in saying that Gaslam might hit a wee bit harder than Whitaker? No, he definitely does. Yeah, like uh, like Whitaker is no one punch knockout dude. Like yeah. Gaslam's a dude who sits down on every punch he throws. So yeah, so I, I'm gonna say because I think he can survive. If that fight comes to that, I think he'll be able to come out better on the on the end of it. But Whitaker's such an X factor sometimes because he just he finds ways to come back in fights that he should like he should have died like three times. <laughs> like he just. He resurrects in the middle of the fight when you think it should be over, and dude just finds a way to gut it out. But I'm, I'm as of this moment, I'm, I'm going to go with Adesanya. I, I think this just might be his time. Like he's hitting his stride. Um, not saying they might be able to rematch, make a trilogy out of this or something, but I'm going to go with Adesanya for now. Um, but that'll be at UFC 243. That, that's going to be a, a crazy one of the better middleweight title fights we're probably going to see in a while. Like. I know yeah. we make fun of that division a lot, but that's a great championship matchup. Like, yeah, like all the better. title fights for like the, the top of that division is as good as any division in the UFC. It's just like once you leave the top of it, or even at the top, everybody's just broken. Like Robert Whitaker is twenty eight years old, and he's he's missed like two or three years of his career because he can't stay healthy. So like, you know, Israel Adesanya got. Like everybody goes through the butt, like the wood chipper in this division. Like Luke Rockhold, uh, Chris Weidman, Yoel Romero, Jacare. Um, like, it, it, like at some point, this division just became full of just like really aggressive, really powerful guys who, if they get on top of you, they will damage the shit out of you. Yeah, even Kelvin Gastel, like his whole freaking career has been just one gigantic ass brawl. 
um, between like the Jakarai fight and the Adesanya fight, and like maybe there's something to the fact that most of Adesanya's career has been him just piecing guys up and not really taking any damage except for the Gastelum fight, but like. Even in kickboxing, like he, 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 even when he lost, it wasn't like he was getting the crab beat out of him, uh, except by um, Alex Perea. So, uh, like, uh, like a lot of times when we get to these like middleweight title fights, it kind of just feels like it comes out to who's less broken. Yeah, yeah. Adesanya's definitely coming in a little, you know, a little fresher. But we'll we'll see. Whit- Whitaker's an Iron Man, so that that's gonna be a crazy fight. Yeah, that's 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 probably the best fight they got in the books right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to other title fights, uh, Valentina, yeah, <laughs> Valentina Shevchenko will be defending her flyweight title against Liz Carmouche at UFC Montevideo. Um, Uruguay. Yeah. Didn't. All right. So Carmouche beat her how long ago? Uh, t- twelve years ago. Okay. All right. I think it's two thousand seven. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, don't think they'll have any bearings. <laughs> what a, uh... From what I under, like, people keep saying, like, apparently this fight was posted up at MMA Core at one point, and I don't know if I watched it because it was forever ago, but, um, like, no, it was 2010. Okay, that was nine years ago. Uh, and Valentina Shashenko was a 22 year old. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, big difference. Um, but apparently Valentina was winning the fight and lost because she got hit with an up kick from Carmouche that cut open her like put had a cut open above her eye that uh that caused the ref the ref to call the fight off. So I mean it's still a rematch from a fight she lost, but from the sound of it it's not a fight she was like manhandled in. And what's even scarier is that she she probably had that fight in the back of her mind. Right. Like, I want to run that one back because I know I can win. And now you've got that person in front of you. Good good luck, Carmouche. That uh, that, that might get ugly quick. <laughs> but right. we'll uh, we'll we'll see. Um, How weird is it that Valentina Shevchenko is going to be like the one champion to defend her title like three times this year? Because she she also fights in like the least challenger ready division in the UFC. Yeah, I'm gonna say like after Carmouche. KGB next. Like, like, KGB. So here's what you do. You do. So you got Rocky, uh, Roxy versus uh, who's she fighting now? Um, Jennifer Maya, I think. Oh, yeah. Yep. And and you have her fight. Uh, if Roxy wins, she fights uh, KGB Lee. And then the winner of that fight could fight Valentina Shevchenko. Because why the hell not? <laughs> All right. And they keep keeping the flyweight theme going. Uh, Julian, oh no no, is that flyweight or bantamweight? That's a bantamweight fight, I believe. Ah, okay, all right, sorry, I lied. But keeping the women's thing. I mean, well, <laughs> Julian Peña, before she got to the UFC, was a bantamweight, uh, a flyweight. Like she, she got, she went on tough uh, as a ban, a bantamweight to get into the UFC, but they didn't have the division yet. Um, so you know, whatever. Yeah, same but, thing. No adjacent. Way. Adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> but. Right. Juliana Pena uh, and Nico Montano will be facing off at UFC Sacramento. Um, that's just an interesting fight. Just we haven't, I, I like we've said on this podcast before, we weren't even sure we'd ever see Nico again <laughs> after the fiasco she had. Uh, at least not in the UFC. 
Yeah, yeah, but, but nobody gets cut. Everybody gets to stay unless you're um. What's damn it? What's his name? Damn it, Justin Willis. There we go. Oh yeah. And Elias Theodore. There was a headline about him, but I didn't write it down. Like he said, he would sign a one fight contract to fight Ty Tuivasa. I was like, yeah, I don't know if they're gonna do that to you, but, but. Why? Why would they want that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's the sales pitch that uh, Dana and company are looking for. You're afraid of getting hit by Derek Brunson. Why would they think that you'd be all down to get murdered by Tai Tuiwasa? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But <laughs> that, that, was, that was a thing. But uh, Giuliano Pena versus Nico Montano, uh, that would be an interesting fight. Just Nico, we just haven't seen in forever. So it'll just be interesting to see like how she looks when she comes back. We, we haven't seen her in, in some time. Uh, so that'll be a thing at UFC Sacramento. Um, at UFC 241, we'll have Brandon Davis uh, versus Kyung Ho Kang. Um, and as we alluded to earlier, um, at UFC San Antonio, we will have Roxanne Modafferi against Jennifer Maya. And then the last uh, flight announcement I have comes from Bellator. Uh, the rematch between Matt Mitrione and Sergey Karatanov will be at Bellator 225. So... If you're going to be booking heavyweights, book Ryan Bader already, you cowards. But Ryan Bader, check Congo. Why are we? What, what's the holdup? Because <laughs> you know, if they if if uh, Vitaly Minikov had won against Congo, they would have done that. They they would have booked that fight already. We might be seeing it right now. Yeah, that'd have been immediate. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan Bader has been on the shelf since January, and that was a. 30-second fight. Right. No damage. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure Ryan Bader hasn't been hit since, like, 2017. Right. <laughs> He's had nothing but Mortal Kombat flawless victories. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got you to gotta get that man in there. Like, what's the hold-up? Like, I get he's a heavyweight now, and age doesn't matter, but he's 36. And he seems to be in the prime of his career. Which is crazy. Maybe they're uh, maybe they're they're like in talks for doing the Jerry Prochaska fight. Could be. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. You know, this whole the whole rising uh co promotion wouldn't doubt it. And, and and it would be perfect because he's <laughs> unfortunately the, the divisions that he's you know he has the belts over are the divisions where like he needs some people to need some fresh faces, man. We, right. see, we see the same you know four or five people kind of over and over i i really like john nash idea shouts to john nash by the elbow of ksw rising and bellator just all saying fuck it and just unifying all their titles and just having a champion who just travels i mean champions who travel i should say i'm with that i'm with it i mean like i i get why these promotions aren't with it because you know if you if you don't have a champion like how do you have the cards and yeah Promote your cards and, but I, I'm all for that. Like, just fuck it. Make MMA Voltron. <laughs> just, just do it. But uh, that's all I have for fight announcements. Now we do have some uh some news stories to get into. Um, oh, I forgot to ask. Did you write the one story down? Uh, what was the one story? Ooh, so one. Uh, surprisingly, in the Washington Post. Announced they were having, uh, they are planning in 2020 to have 80 fight cards. 
Oh, is this about um? I did see a headline about them trying to double their roster. Is this related to that? Yes. Okay. So yeah, one yeah, championship in the like I said, one championship in twenty twenty is planning to have eighty cards. Now, for reference, the UFC runs forty five cards a year. Uh, just about anyway. So it's like forty two to forty six, something like that. Um, and we complain constantly. <laughs> about th- this fact. Uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, one championship plans 20 shows, 80 shows, big roster expansion in 2020. Uh, the promotion is putting on 45 events this year in Asia, but will sharply increase its schedule next year. One will continue to keep its fights freely available to much of the world in response to what Sinyatong describes as global desire for its broadcasters for more fighting content. One will still focus on its core Asian markets, but Sidiatong also is in discussions with broadcaster partner Turner Sports to stage its first U.S. Uh, show next year. Oh, I almost forgot. There's a posting for jobs for one championship in New York. Oh, yeah. They, I saw that uh, people on Twitter posting that a couple uh, couple weeks ago. Yeah, they have yeah. an office in New York, and but I don't know what positions are open. Um but yeah, that's that's like a thing. Like, I, I guess they're just looking for. I don't know what they're looking for, but <laughs> shout out to real employees who tried to hook me up with a job. <laughs> he if, sent me the link. <laughs> he sent me the link. Um. Oh wait, here, here. Uh, explore jobs. One championship editor. One FC dot com. New York, New York. Four days ago. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Hot off the press. Plan and execute. One's editorial calendar in the U.S. Manage content and programming on owned and third-party syndication channels. Deliver locally relevant articles daily. Adapt global content for local market distribution. Expand and manage a diverse network of in-market freelance writers. Analyze performance of content and adapt efforts uh, accordingly. Develop and share content best practices. Experience the skills required. Three-plus years of uh, experience edited of... Oh, sorry. Three plus years of experience writing features, publishing, print, and online, and content management. Experience in mentoring and instilling content creation, best practices, and processes. Communications, training, and other content consumption expertise, including store, strong storytelling uh, story skills and big picture thinking. Superior presentation, written and verbal communication. It doesn't say how much they're paying. Yeah, of course they don't. <laughs> we don't even know how much their champions make. They're definitely not telling us. Bachelor's degree preferred. Mass communication, journalism, public relations, and similar fields is preferred. Oh, I have the. <laughs> you, you you got that? I got the mass com. I got an associate. Ooh, sensei. <laughs> All right, so this is what we're gonna do, listeners. Um, we're gonna transition this podcast to a one championship. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna email them like, listen, man. <laughs> we'll cover all your cards. <laughs> you know, that's that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> so deliver locally for oh wait, locally relevant articles daily is wow. Um, I'm not writing articles daily. I have, I have trouble. Uh, yeah. Dude, I have a freaking John Jones Alexander Guff system breakdown that's like half done that 
I started working on like the day after the rematch happened. <laughs> yeah, man. Even like shout out to technical foul. I do the uh, pay per view breakdowns. I had to do one for Santos and uh and Jones. Those articles are tough, man. Like yo, wait, wait, wait. LinkedIn has the amount of people who have um replied for the job. Be among the first twenty five applicants. This is tempting. Uh-oh. This is real tough. Let's <laughs> see, you live right, you know, you're like across the street from New York. So this, so this works perfect for you. So they have like an office out there? I guess. Like, I don't know who's at the office because I don't think this job requires you to be there. Yeah, that's what I feel like. Like, I feel like yeah, a lot of this is just stuff you could do uh-huh. at home and just kind of submit. I'm, I'm going to just post this on Tumblr. All right, cool. Tag, tag me in that. All right. All right, y'all. One <laughs> starting in August. <laughs> Dojo One Championship podcast. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> oh man, there you go, man. We've covered everything on this podcast. We give you guys fights. We give you job opportunities. I forgot that this whole conversation started with one one right. <laughs> eighty cards a year. So would that be like eighty cards? Where like you. Like, is it like a fight pass thing, where like, or is it like a King of the Ring, thi- uh, King of the Cage thing, where they just like hand out the one type, like you know, they do the one Warrior series where they get like the guys with like no professional fight experience and just throw them together. Is um, it gonna, is going to be like that? Is that what they mean by roster expansion? Or are they actually going to go after like Chris Cyborg is going to be in the free market soon? Are they going to actually make a a pitch to Cyborg and be like, come fight for us? From what I saw. The article that I read, um, the uh, owner was saying that um, I don't know their their product is in in high demand and everybody is demanding more content from them, so they just need to put on more fights. So they're just I don't know. I, I guess they're just gonna flood the market. Like I I, I don't know. So, like the market's already flooded. By comparison, USC currently has forty three plants, twenty nineteen schedule. One's expansion comes while the UFC is making a push into Asia. Okay, here here's the quote that caught my attention that makes me believe Sid Yatong has no fucking idea what he's talking about. The market can't get enough, Sid Yatong said, citing his business rising viewership figures on broadcast and digital channels. Our fans can't get enough of our content. We're so we're so we're trying to satiate demand. But every time we put out more contact, things just go more viral. A lot of free-to-air TV broadcasters and digital broadcasters, they're all demanding more and more content from us. So we have to provide more and more content to the world. So the reason one's digital whatever went up is because they have a deal now. Like like a TV deal. Right. Like what like in the US, because like they never had one before, and they were getting like their pay-per-views would sell like five thousand a year, not like a, an event, like a year. Um, so like, yeah, of course, if you put it on YouTube, which they did for a good few months, your numbers are gonna go up, and they went up like drastically. But that's because you put them available for free, not because you put them on TV or behind the paywall. And the only reason your numbers are looking good compared to what they were before is because now you have a TV deal, and NBA. Uh, was it NBA on TNT? And close enough to when you guys start, which is at like three, four o'clock in the morning, 
to where the people who fell asleep watching Charles Barkley and Shaq like do their thing stay tuned for what you're doing and probably don't actively watch because they're asleep. So, you know, just some things to ruminate on. I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll see. Boy, 80 cards a year. They're going to be reaching for those uh, card names, boy. <laughs> Quest of Legend, Legend of Dragon, Dragon Quest Legend, Honors of something, something with honor. Boy, 80, 80 of those a year. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what one championship does. Uh, I'm not watching 80 cards a year. That means a lot of watered down, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of a uh, a lot of watered down cards that probably. I don't think I watch eighty cards a year anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like so. goddamn. But we'll, we'll we'll see. That's uh that's one championship doing doing one championship things. I was I just want to point out I laugh because it says be among the first twenty five applicants and this thing has been up for like three or four days. So uh. I mean, it's, it's the weekend. No, no one's looking for work on the weekend, right? No, and it's you know, weather's better. We're trying to like enjoy the outside. We don't want to stay inside and do work. You know, probably should have did this during the winter. But, anywho, moving on. Other news. Uh, Sean O'Malley. He is back in the news, uh, not for good reason, unfortunately. Uh, he has been pulled from his UFC 239 fight against Marlon Vera, which I'm disappointed in because I was really looking forward to that fight. But that will no longer be a thing. Um, he was pulled because he still has trace amounts of the banned substance Osterine uh, in his system. I believe this was the same drug that got him suspended in the first place, <laughs> um, that he was already, to serve, uh, already serving a six-month suspension for. So, from what I'm reading, it's not USADA that is suspending him or not allowing him to fight. Uh, because according, uh, let me find this quote. What is this quote from? Uh, it's uh, reading this quote from MMA Junkie article. Uh, USADA has notified me that Osterine, the substance that showed up in my system last year, and led to USADA sanctioning me has resurfaced at an extremely low level in two recent tests. Um, the good news is that USADA says this is most likely residual from last year and that the low level is providing me with no performance advantage. That's why USADA is not re-sanctioning me for these test results. I already served the USADA sanction for the presence of Osterine in my system. It has decreased dramatically since last year, um, but it is the uh, Nevada Athletic Commission that is investigating this and sidelining him and you know obviously pulling him from the card i i, I don't know these, these drug test things I, I i'd be lying for that if i said i understand how all of this like really works mm. I, I guess for me and this is me armchair armchair uh scientist <laughs> i guess like if the tracing of this substance is so low and you can prove that it's just residual from the last one, but it's so low that it's like a blip and it's not even giving any kind of advantage, then I don't see the big deal. Um, just let the man... Like, I, I could see if he tested and it was like a, a different substance, like it wasn't Osterine, it was something else that they hadn't like found before, 
But if we can trace this back to the previous test, which he was already suspended for, and it's literally just a, a minute level that, like, you know, I don't know. I, what, what are we doing here? What, what are we doing here? Why, why are we pulling this fight for... I, I don't know. I don't understand how the drug test thing works. And I'm not even, like, a super huge, like, O'Malley fan. I'm just defending this as somebody who, like, I just don't... This doesn't seem like a big deal to me. Um, I, I don't know, but I, I don't know how any of this works. Either either way, the fight's pulled, so that's that's that. But um, I just for me, I, I just feel like if the reading was so low, then I don't understand why Nevada's making such a huge deal out of this. And we all know O'Malley will not get the John Jones treatment. It will not be moving this card to another location for Mister O'Malley. Um, I don't know. You, you got any thoughts on this? Uh, how all these drug test fiascos work? You know, you would have thought they got like they would have worked out a policy for this type of thing after the uh, the John Jones incident. Um, like that. That's really all I have to say. Like there, there should be something in place where, like, okay, we understand what the um what the what the causes the effects like what like there's a pulsing effect and blah 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 and trace amounts and like all that good stuff you would think they would have worked out policy for like when fighters test for this stuff like you know the, the, there would have been there there's some like okay they can fight if it's within this amount which indicates that they did not take the substance again um but i don't know like sucks for O'Malley, I guess. Um, I don't really have like an opinion about like yeah, about like do um not doses, but like you know, uh, no, nah, just sucks. Like, I guess I, like, it feels like they should have something in place. Like, what does the Nevada State Athletic Commission do that they don't? They didn't sit down and be like, okay, we have to work out some type of policy. So. Maybe it's because people freak out so harshly over, like, drug tests that they feel if, literally, if you have any amount, well, unless you're John Jones, <laughs> but <laughs> if you have any amount, you know, for the, for the uh, what's, what's the word people throw, the, the integrity of the sport, you know, we got we to gotta keep you sidelined, even though this alleged trace amount is not even giving you a competitive advantage. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Let everybody juice. I don't care. Yay. <laughs> That's where I'm at with this now. Let everybody juice. I just, I, I don't care. I, I don't care anymore, man. This is... But e either who, that fight's been pulled, so I, I, don't, I don't know if he can, like, appeal this, or I, I don't know if that's even, like, an option, but we'll we'll see how this uh, all pans out, but as of now, uh, O'Malley is off of UFC 239. And the last bit of news that I wanted to cover before we get into the fights, because uh, this caused a bit of an uproar in the uh, MMA Twitter sphere, uh, Dana White's Contender Series. And it's kind of funny because I think you and I have had this discussion many a times. Um, in relation to Dana White as a scouter, as an overall, like, figurehead. Uh, real quick, before we get into the uh, 
I guess, controversy, if you want to call it that. Uh, I do want to give a shout-out to the people who at least did get signed. Uh, so for those who don't know, Dana White's Contender Series, that happened uh, this is season three. That happened, like, last week, I want to say. Um, 18th. Yeah. So I know not everybody, and I'm one. I, I don't really watch Contender Series all that often, but I watch this one because I'm uh, Brendan, Brendan uh, uh, I always butcher his last name. Uh, Lonan, low name, Lothane, Logney, Logney. Uh, yeah, sorry. I know uh, Chelsea on Twitter. If she's listening, I know she loves him. I'm sorry if I'm butchering this man's name. <laughs> I, I don't know. It gets me every time. But um, he was the only one I knew by name. Um, so I I watched it just to see how he would do. But the two gentlemen who actually did get signed that night uh were middleweight uh. Penale Soriano, uh, who defeated Jamie Pickett, and uh, heavyweight Jorgen DeCastro, who defeated Alton Meeks. Uh, good, good win. I, I guess I'll, I'll talk about the Jorgen DeCastro fight because I actually did watch it. Um, I wasn't sure if he was like UFC ready, um, but it, that doesn't matter now. He's going to be there. So, so he, he got signed. Um, but I did like uh, kind of what he could do for a man his size. He was pretty nimble. Landed a lot of leg kicks on Meeks, um, and from Meeks's background, he did have uh, some pretty good wrestling credentials, from what I remember, and he helped some pretty, like high-level fighters train for their fights. Uh, but it seemed like for Meeks that he couldn't get his takedowns going. Like uh, the Castro actually had pretty good takedown defense, and once he out and Meeks couldn't get the takedowns, like he didn't really have any other, like backup plan or any other options really. And uh, the Castro had some really powerful leg kicks. Like I said, really nimble for a guy his size. He was throwing some flying knees. He was really timing Meek's takedowns pretty good. Um, and it was just a good story. Like, you know, a guy who came from you know, really humble beginnings, you know, was really poor, you know, got his family over here. Daughter got to see him fight. You know, awesome story. So I'm, ha- I'm happy for dude, man. I-, I like seeing stuff like that. Um, so shout out to Jorgen DeCastro. He-, he got signed. And uh, I didn't get a chance to watch Soriano fight. But um, he was signed also. But what kind of st- stole the uh? Oh, I guess real quick. Shout out to Hannah Goldie who defeated Kaylee Robbins. Um, she didn't get signed, but those are two women at straw weight. So shout out to them also. But the uh, fight that kind of caused a lot of uproar was the uh, Brendan Lugney fight. I'm gonna say Lugney. I'm probably saying this wrong. His last name is L O U G H N A N E. So he fought. Uh, Bill Algio, these are two uh, gentlemen at featherweight. Um, I knew Brendan, <laughs> literally shout out to Chelsea on Twitter, because she's a big Dom Cruz fan, and he trains with Dom Cruz, so she always posts his videos, so that's how I even knew who he was. So I watched a couple of his fights, um, uh, he fought a lot overseas, dude pretty, uh, pretty talented dude, pretty good stand-up, um, so I watched a couple of his fights overseas, so I was interested to see how he do when when he came to the Contender Series. From what I understand, from what they said from Algio from the show, um, he was a champion in, like, two other organizations. Ring um, of Combat was one of them. Uh, I don't know. Was he? I think he was a CFFC champion, too. So, like, the two big jersey promotions he yeah. was a champion. Yeah, so on, on paper, this seemed like a good fight. Like, I wasn't familiar with Algio, but... I figure, like, if you're a champ in two organizations, and I at least recognize those organizations' names, like, you got to be somebody. And obviously, like I said, I I knew Brendan. I've watched him in a couple of fights, so I already knew 
kind of what he brought to the table. So fight starts, man, and it's an awesome fight. Like, it was a really good fight. We get just a nice kickboxing blood fest. <laughs> like, it was one of those fights where I think Brendan was, was winning every round, but it was definitely, you know, it was a competitive fight back and forth. Both dudes were just throwing. Brendan looked really sharp, a lot of good leg kicks. Um, just a good striking in general. Algio, I don't know what dude has underneath his chin, but he ate a lot of good shots. He, he's just one of those dudes that was just extra tough for no reason. Like, it, it seemed like no matter what Brendan hit him with, like, he never really just went away. Um, and there, there were moments in the fight where it was, it was one of those fights where, like, halfway through the second round, I was almost afraid for Brendan because I was like, oh, man, like, this whole fight is just stand-up. And Algio's not going away. I hope he doesn't end up tiring out, gets clipped, or, you know, something crazy happens. And I want to say Brendan initiated a couple of takedowns in this fight before the one that we'll get to. But um, I thought that was good on him. Like, he showed that he was well-rounded because, like I said, I was afraid that he would tire himself out in the stand-up. And his face ended up getting pretty bloody. I don't remember if he broke his nose, but he, he got he got pretty banged up. Um. So I thought him, like, showing that he could go for takedowns was showing that he was, like, well-rounded, you know, because especially at featherweight, we, we know how the UFC featherweight division is, man. It's, it's, it's killers everywhere. Like, even to the bottom end of the top 15, even outside of the top 15, you're going to fight guys who are very high caliber, very high quality. So you need to have a pretty well-rounded skill set if you're going to hang with these guys. So I thought he did a pretty good job of showcasing that. Not saying he's the perfect fighter, not saying that, you know, if he came to the UFC, he's going to come in and, you know, annihilate everybody. But I thought he did enough to show that he could he could hang. Like, if, if nothing else, he'd come to the UFC and give you some fun fights at, at bare minimum. Um, but the talking point of this fight was the last bit. So the last you know, 10 to 20 seconds. So I don't remember this all in full because I, I only watched the fight once. I didn't go back to watch it again. But he was definitely clipping Algio, landing a lot of good shots. It's an exhausting, grueling fight. Both dudes are breathing hard, blood's flowing everywhere. Like, dudes are just laying it all out. Last 10 seconds of the fight, Brendan's like, all right, man, going for a takedown. <laughs> I'm sealing this fight. Sealing around and ultimately it'll seal me the victory because he, he was winning all of the rounds. So he goes for the takedown. I don't even remember if he got it, to be honest. I, I know he went for it. I can't remember if he got it. But either way, he goes for the takedown in the last 10 seconds of the fight. Seals the round. He ends up winning unanimous decision. He got 30-27s across the board. Awesome fight. Everybody's excited. Great fight. We're all assuming, all right, man, this guy's definitely getting signed. And I did because I, I in my mind, I'm like, all right, he pushes for it. He keeps a good pace. He throws a lot. Probably gets hit a little bit too much. But it made for a fun fight. I'm like, I feel like this is the kind of fight that Dana would just sign both guys just because, you know, blood. Like, <laughs> that seems to be like what. And that. Oh, I'll get to it. So, end of the night comes. They hand out contracts. Dana gives speeches to everybody, you know. He, he praises Jorgen Del Castro. He praises uh, Soriano. Get to Brendan and uh, Algio. So I guess obviously Algio probably won't get it because he lost the fight. You know. Get to Brendan and his criticism of Brendan, you know, great fight, 
blah, 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 yada, yada, after all these compliments. And then he goes, but what you're not going to do is come in here and go for a takedown in the last 10 seconds of the round. And... <laughs> so basically to, to sum this up and you can and there's this actual clip guys if you you know you can go watch it it's 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 out there that he literally said that I'm, I'm paraphrasing but that's basically what he said he didn't get signed because he went for a takedown in the last second uh the last 10 seconds of the round because dana wants guys who uh quote unquote you know go for it go for the kill and go for the finish all of that good whatever um <laughs> <laughs> and it just uh, so many questions like so 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 the takedown somehow negated this one takedown this one takedown because this was the one that he signaled up this one takedown the last 10 seconds of this fight which was a, a pretty grueling very entertaining affair this takedown negated the other 99% of the fight. All of the other leg kicks, the jabs, the, the, the combinations, the blood, the entertainment factor, all of that got negated for one takedown. And it just... I, I don't know what Dana is looking for. Um, I don't know what his like what his um checklist is as a quote unquote talent scout I'm I have so many it's like if you watched let's say <laughs> sorry I've been running for a while I'll, I'll let you go for, for a second but like it's like if you were gonna draft somebody you know NBA draft per perfect example say you were evaluating a college player you know, um, college player, maybe he played like three years. He's got some experience. He shoots three-pointers. He's got a decent mid-range. He can um, he can get boards. He can attack the basket. Um, he does all of these things great offensively. And maybe his one, you know, drawback is like, um, you know, he can do all these great things offensively. Maybe his defense like needs a little work, but he everything else in his game is is solid. But maybe he, like his defense is a little spotty. You're not gonna pass that player. You can work on these. You know, <laughs> you you can work on that. You know, whatever it is that's lacking, you can work on that. Even if it's a glaring flaw, you can you can you can work that out. You're not gonna pass on the guy just because he has this one, this one. You know, you're not questioning his heart. You're not questioning his work ethic. He has the tools. He just kind of needs to improve on them. But Dana White saw this player and was like, "Oh nah, you can't. You know, you had this one bad defensive play, so I'm just gonna erase 99% of your career, even though you averaged 20 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, three steals. <laughs> I don't." I don't get it. Like, I, it made me question th th that that one decision made me question the entire like purpose of this show. Of like, I don't know what it is you're looking for. I don't know what you're setting these guys up and and women as well. Like, what are you? What what what? 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything anymore. I don't know what the purpose of this show anymore. Like, if if you can put on a performance like that and not get signed, and that be the reason that you, you not get signed because you went for a takedown, I, I don't know what to tell the next person who fights. Like, bro, I don't, if you don't get a finish, just go home. Like, don't even do the post-fight interview. Just go home. Like, <laughs> just, just... <laughs> So, like, five things on that whole, like, one, they don't really want to just be a boxing promoter. Like, that, that's what I'm taking away from this. But I think uh, Smoogie, at Smoogie MMA on Twitter, just had just the best fucking comparison. And I know you saw it because you tweeted at him. I'm seeing it now. Uh, but canceled NBA Summer League and replaced it with Adam's Lucas <laughs> where he sits on the sidelines overreacting to Ducks with Blakes and T-Porters while the commentators are like... Can these guys deliver the big slam jams? The commission <laughs> <laughs> The slam jams. <laughs> oh my god. The slam jams. <laughs> I, I thought about that tweet every day for the past like week. <laughs> the slam jams. <laughs> You imagine that, like, a guy gets drafted, he comes up to shake Adam Silver's hand, and, like, the analysts go, like, breaking down his game. But, yeah, he brings the slam jams to the league. That's a good bitch Like, <laughs> you ever just sit and think how absurd this stupid sport is? <laughs> so, like, my thought process wouldn't. Um, they started doing these series like looking for a fight and Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series and blah 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 besides Dana wanted to, to be a star and have like his personality out there and I, I don't know was that okay the UFC sees that it needs to make new stars and the biggest star they have is Dana White so we're going to make a series with Dana White in it. Feature fighters who impress Dana while he, or not impress Dana, but who show potential from the regional scene and use that as a springboard for their career. Kind of like how tough was. We're like once upon a time winning tough men like, oh, this person's a future title contender. Let's pay attention to him looking for a fight. And, you know, the Tuesday Night Contender Series are like, oh, this guy's really good. This is a good spotlight fight for him to get some, like, hype and, like, it'll get people writing about him in the media every time he gets a fight. But, like, it's kind of devolved into... Basically, when, like, I, I, like, I was watching the card last night, um, and they had a little promo for on ESPN Plus where it's like, you gotta be a killer. You have to come in here and impress Dana and show that you want it, that you want it more than anything, more than you want to be with your family. Fucking go out there and kill a guy, rip his fucking head off. And after you fight him, go fight the crowd. Like, exactly. and I'm just like, okay, what the fuck is the point of this show again? It's called the Contender Series. You're looking for future contenders. Dana White wants a whole fucking like Dana White just wants the UFC to be the Chris Lieben fight league. 
Like he wants it, you know what? He wants it to be bare knuckle boxing, but it can't be because that's not what the brand is. I think that's what, like. At the end, of, I, I think that it, it's that, and it's con- like you need content. You need to have a thing for Fight Pass and ESPN Plus, where like, oh, ESPN, give me a million extra dollars for this side project I'm doing. And it's just, oh my god, this is not a sport. I'm gonna keep saying that. No. <laughs> we are all subject to the whims of a man-child. Who all he wants to see are the big slap gems. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god, I like, ran. Uh. Oh my god, like, and it's it's. I have a headache. No. <laughs> and once again, to bring the, the bring back uh, previous point around it is this the outrage over this. I feel like it's not even really so much about Brendan as it is that like Dana's critique of Brendan. Yeah. Like I, you know what? You need a heavyweight, Jorgen De Castro. Props to him. He's from, um, where was he from? Uh, he's from uh, Cape Verde. I have no idea where the hell that is. Like, if you were to tell me, like, point it out to me on a map or whatever. Um, uh, okay, it's a small island country in uh, uh, Africa. Okay, solid. He's from Cape Verde. He's 31. You know, props to him. He beat the wrestler who everybody thought was going to win. Uh, big upset. Did down leg kicks. Whatever. Props to him. You don't got to go out there and defame a man. And basically be like, your fight style is shit. And I hope you die. To get your point across. Like. Just be like. Yeah, like you, like you don't even have to like give him like the softball thing. Like you, you don't have to like sit there and evaluate each and one of these dudes and just be like, and just tear their like credibility apart with like Dana's weird contingent of dumbass fans. Like it's so bizarre. Like, I guess I'm so confused because I, I thought I had Dana pegged for the kind of fighters he was looking for, and this completely just like. Oh, I don't understand this guy. Like, I have no idea what he's looking for in a prospect. He, 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 like, we're going to get to the point eventually where Dana's like, you moved your, you, you slipped a punch, you fucking coward. Right. <laughs> how dare, how right. dare you think you could bring that shit into the UFC? Right, you're supposed to you, eat that. You eat that and then you throw back because that's how we fucking <laughs> do business. And like, like, that, that's where we're headed. And it's like, you say you want fighters that go for it. Like, bro, they, they were fight Like, there was no... There were no breaks this entire fight. Like, literally all three rounds, it was constant action. Like, nobody was leaning on the cage. There was no laying prey. Dudes were really out there just going for it. And I just... I don't... And like I said, I have to say this over and over again. It, this, this isn't even so much about Brendan as it is the critique... And I'm thinking of just future fighters who will put on a Brendan-like performance, and it's like, dude, you you showed out as much as you could, and like you don't get signed. I don't even know what the, 
I don't even know what to tell you. Like, and you, you know what actually just made me think of a while back on one of our previous podcasts, I mentioned um a um a fight. Uh, I watched the Titan. FC, I think it was Titan uh, FC card. And one of the guys on that card, because Dana was in the crowd that night, and one of the guys who everybody thought was going to get signed didn't. And I went and watched his fight, and I was like, I don't know what else he could have done. Like, he had a great fight. He got rocked. He came back from adversity and still won. And I guess, I don't know, I guess Dana saw him get rocked, and he was like, nah, we don't want that. You you can't you, you can't get killed. You have to go for the kill. Like, I, I don't <laughs> like. I don't know what Dana's really. I, I don't know. I don't know what Dana's looking for. I don't understand this at all. And the, it's just the takedown thing just doesn't make sense. If you're not going to, it's not even so much that you didn't sign him. It's just, it's the critique and the excuse that just doesn't really make sense. Because I'm looking at a lot of your roster. Like, you're going to you signed Ben Askren. Like, you traded Demetrius Johnson <laughs> for Ben Askren. Demetrius right. Johnson, one of the most proficient finishers in the history of the UFC title like scene, and you traded him away for the guy who got booed out of the United States. Yeah. Like you you know how many guys on your roster who go for takedowns in the first ten seconds? <laughs> like and they're not getting finishes? Like like, dude, you brought Kobe Covington to the White House. Like, Covington's like the closest thing we have to a lay in priority. <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's, yeah, the, his his critique just does not logically make any kind of sense. It's, yeah. We, we could talk about this all day. Um, like, ser- like, seriously, like, even the direction of the commentary is just bizarre because they're like, everybody here is, everybody's here to impress Dana F.L. White. And I'm just like, like, I laugh at the Smokey Sweet, but it's basically the same thing. Like, imagine if, like, at the end, like, imagine if the, like, imagine if the Summer League was really like that. Where, like, you got Adam Silver there and they're like, they got him mic'd and they're just like, he, like he, he's just booing guys playing defense, right? <laughs> like, like he would hate Kawhi because Kawhi's like a great defender. He's like, oh, well, well where are the three sixty windmills? Where's yeah. the, where's the Vince Carter jump over the seven footer? <laughs> like, like you need to go for the kill, like, right? You know, three point shot. No, you have to dunk it on him every time. Like lay, layups are banned. Like, <laughs> like there are no. <laughs> I want the slam jams. <laughs> like, there are no layups. And like, like Dana would hate Steph Curry. Oh man. Yeah. And Allen Iverson. <laughs> like it's just oh my god. So weird. And I, I I posted this and it's funny because this Brendan fiasco happened like not even too long after I posted this. I posted it on Twitter like right when I started watching. I was like, there's something about the idea of fighters coming on the contender series to quote unquote impress Dana that really rubs me the wrong way. And this happened and now I understand why. It's because I don't know when you say impress, I don't know what you mean now. Like does that does impress just equate you have to get a finish? Is that yeah, cuz to me that seems like it's what it. But then I can't say that because Soriano didn't get a finish and he got signed. 
Brandon. I didn't watch this fight, so I don't I don't know what he did to to the gentleman. It looks like it was a pretty one sided fight. Like I hate to keep picking on the dude, um, because uh, like I think we talked about him before and just like why he got signed and everything. But Brendan Davis, was that his name? Yeah, yeah. Like like I, we brought him up before. He didn't even win his contender series fight and he got signed. But he bought it. Oh wait, no, he did. He did. Austin Arnett lost that fight and he got signed. But, but he yeah, bought it. Like, he brought it. I don't know what that means. <laughs> he brought it. He got punched in the face a lot. Right. <laughs> and this is no no slight to, to Davis. We mentioned him earlier. He had a fight coming up. But, yeah, actually, it's funny. Because, yeah, he literally was the first person I thought of after this fight over. Like, but if you got signed, you, you got signed Davis, who had, like, a similar – he probably didn't go for a takedown. But you're telling me that's that's all that separates – those who make it and those who don't, like, takedowns, that's, that's it. It's like, if you don't have a wrestling background, you can't. What's the last 10 seconds? Like, he, so you mean to tell me for, for the last 10, if instead of a takedown, he, you know, threw, like, a couple uppercuts, he, he'd have been okay? Even if he wouldn't have got the fin- like, okay. where's the consistency? I just, I don't. There, there is none. It's, yeah. it's... We're, we're at the whims of Dana. Yeah. You're, you're, if you're, like, uh like, like, and like you said, like the idea that you have to, uh, like, impress the guy, is just so weird. Because Dana doesn't put these fights together. Sean Shelby and um, Mick Maynard do, and like, for the most part, I think they do a good job of what they have. Like, I, I think they suffer from just the U.S. Like, like the guy, like the heavyweight they signed, Jorgen De Castro. He has five pro fights. Like. He, Heavyweight's not the division where you want to have five pro fights when you make your debut, unless you're like Cain Velasquez or something. All right. You know what I mean? Like that's all I was saying for him. I wasn't sure if he was like UFC ready. I would like to see him on like a LFA circuit to see how he would, you know. Like a lot, yeah, a lot of these guys are getting signed, and then they have to get go and fight Vicente Luque. It's just like okay, you don't have plans for anybody, right? You're like, throwing them into yeah. So it's like you're not even really building contenders, like. <laughs> I need action fighters, damn it. Right. That, that's what it comes to. Like, action fighters. Like, that's what this is. Yes. It's, it's a blood and, sport. Right. And, like, here's, here's the thing. If you want to do, like... All right. If you want to fill out divisions, do each show as a division. You know what I mean? Like, you can get four heavyweight fights together, four women's bantamweight fights together, four men's lightweight fights together, four um, middleweight fights together, and just call that the contender series, and you're all middleweights, and you're all fighting for, like, a, the one, one or two spots we have on the middleweight roster. If that's what you gotta do to fill out a division that needs competition, then do that. Don't get, like, two guys who are hella green and put them on a fight card together and be like, okay... Uh, with like a like someone like Brandon, who is like who I think has been in the UFC before, or at least fought on like tough or something. Yeah, he fought. He fought on um. And has like twenty pro fights and is UFC ready. But you're gonna pick over him for somebody else, nah, who, who's not. far less in, far less experience. Like, yeah. come on. And no, no, this to him. Like you would hate to see De Castro, who I think has some talent. You would hate to see a guy like that come over to the UFC with that such little experience, end up losing like his first three, and then we never hear from him again. Yeah, and you're like devaluing the show. Yeah, so it's like it's, it's no longer like 
like you said, like it's no longer a contender series. It's like we need like it's an action fighter series, and nobody wants like, dude. I can watch freaking like Shudo Brazil and get action fights. Like you're supposed to be getting me like guys from like the regional scene who are like champions in like Ring of Combat or CFFC or like I don't know Shamrock fighting promotions or whatever. Guys who are like, okay, these are the real killers on their divisional, like on their scene. We're gonna put them all on the same card together and see who's the cream of the crop, you know, who's ready for the UFC. Instead, like it's just like, oh, here's a Bellator prelim. And we're presenting it like it's a real, like, talent scout. And then, like, have a plan for these dudes, man. Like, having a guy come off the show and then he has to fight Vicente Luque or freaking, like, the Castro's, like, he's going to end up fighting, like, Francis Ngannou on short notice because they need somebody to fill in. It, it just seems ridiculous. Uh, and, like, not, it's not all the fighters who are like that. Like, you know, Sadiq Youssef, like, damn good fighter. Uh, damn good prospect. Has looked, like, pretty good in the UFC so far. Uh, Macy Barber looked pretty good in the UFC so far. Shevchenko, um, uh, that, that's something else. That, that's favoritism. But Montel Jackson didn't get a contract, but eventually got to UFC. Like, and has looked pretty good. Like, there, there, there has got to be, like, a better structure for doing this. Maybe you run less contender series cards a year. Like, I know this is a summertime thing just because, like, they got time. Like, you know, PFL's doing, or not PFL. Uh, yeah, PFL's doing Thursdays. UFC's doing Saturdays. Like, they, they just need stuff for ESPN+. Plus. But, like, come on. Like there, like uh, no, no, my head hurts. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll move on. <laughs> like and, and that's like here's like they're bringing back tough. And I'm like, dude, you struggle filling out these these, these summer cards. Like, what are you gonna do for tough? Oh, I don't watch tough, so <laughs> do whatever you want with it. I will not be uh in attendance. But yeah, that uh, we'll see, man. Congrats to those who got signed. I'm I'm pretty sure Brendan will make it to the UFC. He's gonna be like a late minute replacement when. Like... Oh, oh oh oh! I forgot they 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 got Brendan's freaking Instagram page suspended. The UFC and, and like I don't think it was like vindictive or anything. I think it's just content ID. But um, he posted like highlights of the fight and they got they got his page suspended for like a couple of days. So just trash situation. But... Yeah. Best, best of luck to Brendan. I, I think he'll make it to the UFC eventually. Like I say. He, he'll be a late replacement fighter when somebody needs a scrap at the last minute. They'll, they'll when, when, when Zabit needs an opponent on at the 11th hour, Brendan Lufnane will be there. All right. That's that's how that's going to happen. But that 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 was a that was the contender series fiasco. So uh, let's get into some fights. Uh, today we'll be talking about uh, Glory. A little bit of Bellator, and we'll finish off with the Moicano Korean Zombie card. Um, I guess real quick. Let's do this. Yeah, we we can run through Glory real quick because even combined, I think we only saw like three fights. Yes. <laughs> so not not a ton to talk about. 
But um, I will say I'll, I'll recommend if you have Fight Pass, go watch the jury card. Um, from what I heard, it was really good, and the fights that I did get to see were awesome. Saw a lot of good performances. Um, so shout out to Glory. This is Glory 66, which went down uh, Saturday morning. Uh, we had three three title fights on this card. Yes. We had the welterweight title for the men's, uh, super bantamweight for the women's, and also light heavyweight for the men's. Um, I'll get the light heavyweight for the men's out of the way because I didn't get to watch it. But uh, Artem Vakatov uh, defeated Donegi Abina uh, via split decision for the Glory Light Heavyweight Championship. So yeah. shout, out to, shout out to him. It was a good fight. Oh, did you see it? Yep. Okay. Yeah, Abena uh, got out to a, a quick like two round lead. Uh, for those who know, Glory has open scoring. So, like, you know, after each round, we were able to see who's the front on the judges' scorecards. Um, Bakatov fought back pretty well uh, in the last three rounds. I thought he lost the third. And I thought Abena was, uh, I thought Abena won the fight, but, like, it's not, it, I don't think it was, like, a robbery type situation. I think it was just, like, in my preferences led me to think Abena won the third round. Um, <clears throat> uh, once Bakatov got moving and, you know, starting uh, being able to hop in out of distance, I think he was doing way, way better. Um, I don't, I don't think he rocked Abena down the stretch, but like there, there was a point where I'm like, oh, he hit him, and like Abena was clearly stunned. Um, but Abena's like 21 years old, so he's gonna come back fine from this, I think. Um, yeah, it was a really good fight. Check it out. Yeah, there we go. So, yep, if you got that, that was on the Super Fight Series portion of the card. Uh, so go back and give that a watch. Uh, the co-main event, uh, Super Bantamweight for the women's uh, Super Bantamweight title, Anita Met. Uh, Mexin uh, took on Sophia Olofsson. Olofsson. Um, Olofsson. Mexin put paws and feet <laughs> on Sophia. Fight only lasted about two minutes. Um, like once Mexin started pulling the trigger, he kind of figured how this fight was going to go. She just started kind of lighting her up in spurts. And then she caught Sophia with a head kick, staggered her, cut her eye open. They stopped the fight for a second to check the cut, let her keep going the first time. Anita just kept teeing off on her. Uh, I'm guessing, I guess she opened the cut back up, blood falling down her face, and uh, they ended up stopping it in the first round. Uh, For the the very short time that it lasted, Mexin looked really good. Uh, I can't remember how many times she's defended this belt, but... But she just won it back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, she just won it. She just won it well, not, I shouldn't say just. She won it back in, like, August of last year. But uh, she won it back against the woman she took it from her, Jadia Meneses, um, in New York on in November. And then she defended against Tiffy Venzos uh, earlier this year. So th- this is her second one in a row. Um, she She had defended the title once prior, before the loss to Meneses. Um... Uh, I remember that was a close fight. I feel like which one the uh, the one she defended against or one the of... the Manessa, the first Manessa's fight. I think the first one. I think yeah, that, yeah. It, it went to split decision. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think uh... I think most people had her winning, but like yeah, no, she's she best in the world. Yeah, she's she's out here, and now uh, that was a spot that Van Sost had had held for a while, but uh. 
Yeah, Maxine's out here. She she put in a lot of work. Got got that fight over with. A quick fast in a hurry. So definitely go watch that. It was an awesome, quick, like two minute <laughs> performance. Um, the main event, man. Cedric Dumbe versus Alim Nabiev for the uh, welterweight championship. Matt Dumbe and like his last two to three fights, maybe. Dude has just been fighting, like, he fights like he still doesn't have the belt. Like, he's trying to get it. Like, <laughs> he, 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 he looks like he's the best in the world right now. Yeah, yeah, he, he's won me over, man. Like, I was a big Nikki Hoskin fan, so I, I wanted to hate on Doombe when, when Nikki lost. But Doombe's won me over, man. He's really, this dude, He is a stud. Like, he's really, really good. And it's awesome to see a champ that when he fights, like, he's not trying to point fight. He's not trying to just coast to a win. He's still he's still trying to kill guys like he's on the hunt for the title. But like you already have it. Like <laughs> but he fights like he's trying to get you out of there. Um, like he's knocked out four of his last five opponents or stopped them. Mind you, kickboxing is like nine minute fights, so that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, and it's kind of weird because I feel like back when he fought Holskin, he was a much more he was always, like, kind of unorthodox, but I feel like he had, like, a technical side to him. And it feels like in these last, like, three to four, he's just been letting loose on dudes. Like, he's just been... He jabbed Nabiev up. Jabbed, and Nabiev tried to do his little gloating thing, caught, like, two jabs in the face for it. Um, a lot of, lot of good solid leg kicks. And when he starts uncorking hooks, dude just... He, he has some really good power, and he can, he can stun dudes. And, boy, that... That first knockdown, Nabiev threw a knee, and Dumbe just comes with the overhand right and just... I thought he was dead after that one. I was surprised he got back up. Oh, yeah. Big heart on Nabiev. Yeah. <laughs> he got floored. Yeah, he like, did not get up from the second one, though. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the first one, I thought it was over. It looked like a fight-ending punch. Nabiev got back up. All props to him. And then, yeah, Dumbe just uncorked on the man against the ropes it's just <laughs> i think it was another right hand that caught him and put him down and you, you knew that one was over but yeah doom bay man he has been on another level like these last couple of fights um if you haven't if, if you're just a fan of combat sports in general watch cedric doom bay man he this dude's really good he is really good and really entertaining to watch um i think I- uh, just big shouts, um, just in general, to uh, Bloody Elbow, who just hired a kickboxing editor. Um, so if you want to follow kickboxing, you should follow them on Twitter. It's Lucas Bordone. Hey, there we go. He, he's covering kickboxing for uh, Bloody Elbow. So he's going to be covering Glory, and I guess he's going to be covering K1, because you know K1 arguably might be the most entertaining fight promotion on the planet right now. Um. But yeah, so like if like if you hear us talk about kickboxing and you want to follow it closer, there are outlets out there for you to do that. Yeah, and it's Doom Bay is one of those guys who like I see and I'm like ah, I wish the sport was a little more popular so people would like know. Right. Who he is. at least the people in France got you know, got to see both their uh, the hometown people win and they were yeah. they seem happy about it so. Yeah. And they put on like really good, great finishing performances. So yeah, Doom Bay man, he is the man at welterweight 
Uh, so congrats to him. He defended his welterweight championship. And, and the last fight I'll mention on that card, sticking to welterweight, uh, Muhammad Missouri put on a really good performance against Adam Hadfield. Um, Missouri is, I want to say, 23 years old. Um, could be a guy maybe who maybe might see Doombay down the line in a couple years, depending on how his career goes. I think he's 2-0 in glory so far. Um, dude, dude is, yeah, he, he's kind of a powerhouse too, man. He came in really aggressive against Hadfield, um, caught him with a lot of good shots, a lot of good body kicks, which kind of was what sealed the fight for him. You could tell, like, every time he landed a kick, Hadfield felt it. He dropped him with one um, early, and then he... Um, I think he ended up stunning Hadfield against the ropes, and then the finishing sequence, he caught him with uh, a body shot that just kind of crumbled him. Um, and he got him out there real quick within about a minute, 30-something seconds. So, yeah, uh, Muhammad Missouri might be a guy to, to keep an eye on because uh, Doombay has – he's fought a lot of the top guys at welterweight. So may, maybe, you know, I don't know if they end up doing like a welterweight tournament, but ho- hopefully Missouri, if, if he pans out, could maybe be like a new – fresh face to throw in the mix because it looked like Doom Bay is going to wreck everybody. <laughs> he, might, he might just need a new look of somebody he hasn't fought already. Because actually, uh, Nabiev beat him. I uh, can't remember when. It was year, a couple years ago, I want to say. Um, but nah, man. Um, great great car from Glory. That was Glory 66. If you got Fight Pass, go back. Give that a look. It was pretty dope. Uh, moving on to Bellator. Bellator London. Um... I don't want to spend a lot of time on this card, and we won't because me and you combined watch like three fights <laughs> or something like that. Um, I and blame that like I wanted to watch like most of the card, but blame that on Bellator's terrible, terrible, terrible ass yeah chair for this card. And so like for American fans, Bellator two twenty three, Bellator London. I don't even know what the hell they were officially calling it. Um, started at like 11:30 eastern time right um it was a first off it was a 19 card fight uh fight card 19 is a lot that's like two entire cards stacked together um so it started at 11:30, and the prelims yeah there were some interesting prelims that we never got this we never got to because for whatever reason they didn't plan it out. They they planned it out for postlims, but they put the, the postlim fights were the fights that people would want to see. So like Denise Kielholtz and um, what's his name? Uh, Walter Oliver M. Kemp oh. versus Walter Gahazad, uh, Gahadza, uh, were put on the postlims. Go figure. Um, so like that 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 goes on for like four and a half hours. They take a two hour break from three to five. To tape the part of the card that will air in the U.S. on Paramount and DAZN later that night. So if you were if you were sitting there from like eleven thirty to like three o'clock, there was a two hour break before you got to see any more fights from Bellator. In that two hour break, the UFC started. By the way, um, so you come back at five and you get Aaron Chalmers versus Fred Freeman. <laughs> Melvin Manhoof versus Kent Kapanen and Lovato Jr. versus Musasi. Like, I don't get why Aaron Chalmers was live because, like, if if you're like me and you're an American, you don't give a fuck about Aaron Chalmers. 
Like, you, you really don't. Like, I don't get why he was on this card. Uh, or or why, why why they didn't just switch the Daily Silva fight with that one, but whatever. Um, so, basically, the Daily Silva, the Gallagher-Lebiano, the Edwards-Bosuku, and the, uh, the Costello-Stinas-Mike Shipman fights were aired at 9 o'clock on Paramount and DAZN. Go figure. Yeah, the, the the programming, scheduling, and just overall confusion. Like, I'm not even a guy who really, like, complains about stuff like this, but, like, I was so confused trying to figure out who could I see fight where and who was on the prelims, who was on the ma- – it got so frustrating that I was like, you know what, I'm not – I'm just not watching this. Um, yeah. I'll catch it when I get the chance to. I'm not jumping through all of these loops and holes to figure mm-hmm. out. And it's, I really want to give somebody credit and be like, okay, they heard us. They're really upset. They understand that we're really upset that they air these cards on, like, mass tape delay. And we all already know who won the fight by the time we watch it later that day. And, like, I want to be like, someone at Bellator cares, and they went the extra effort to make it available in the way they could, but the Zone and, Bell- uh, and Paramount, weren't gonna, Paramount wouldn't switch up its schedule to air the fight on TV. And the zone, for whatever reason, has a deal with Paramount, or, or or maybe that's the thing. The zone has a deal with Paramount where they won't preempt a potential rating for Paramount. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's. So I'm like, I want to give somebody credit at Bellator and say it was like, okay, this was on Paramount and the zone, and not so much on them. But like at the same time, like, come on, like. And especially because a lot of the just. A lot of the good talent on this card, like, if you wanted to see them, you just had to jump through all these. Like, <laughs> you want a guy like Fabian Edwards to be easily accessible to your audience. Because this is somebody that you're hoping, like, turns out to be something. He wins, but Lord knows who even saw it. Paul Daly, Eric Silva, like you said, how that wasn't on the main card is kind of. Well, that's the thing. It was on the main. It was the main event if you watched it on Paramount. That's the other funny bit. They didn't even bother airing the Musashi fight on TV. Yeah, this, yeah, this this was a <laughs> like the card was cool, like the fights were good from the the little bit I saw, but like the the execution of this card and the programming and the scheduling was so all over the place. But we we could spend all all day talking about that. But the actual fights, um, I, I guess we'll just talk about Musashi. Uh, Lovato and then Daily Silva. Uh, we'll give a couple quick mentions to everybody else. But uh, Lovato, uh, Rafael Lovato Jr. versus Gegard Musasi uh, fought for the middleweight title. Um, I-, I was pretty impressed with Lovato. Um, it was one of those fights though where Lovato didn't inflict like a lot of damage as much as he was just able to really control Gegard. Um, not saying he didn't land anything, but it was a lot of him actually being able to get Gegar down more than I thought he would, to be honest. Um, I thought Gegar would make him work a little hard. Well, he did in round three, but, (laughs) um, like, for a lot of this fight, Lovato was able to get Gegar down. He was able to threaten with a submission, or even if he wasn't threatening with something, he was passing guard, he was trying to advance. He was doing what, like, Darian Caldwell should have done <laughs> against um, 
for Ibushi, where like if you're gonna take him down, at least try to like advance position, like work, make it look like you're trying to do something. Right, right. Um, so yeah, he was able to able to do a lot of that. Um, as I said, he did he did threaten with a few submissions. The fight, the fight, you, you thought it was gonna turn. I think that was in round three where Gegard rocked him. He dropped him. I think with like an uppercut. That was round um, four. He, he he did win round three though, because he got on top and just like, uh, what's his name had the back, uh, Lovato had the back triangle like locked in, uh, Musashi just grabbed one of his arms, pinned it to the mat, and then turned around and proceeded to just they throw, on him. yeah, <laughs> just freaking like bombed on him from top position. Um, like this fight was really aggravating. Like. I'm used to Masasi being like listless and like not having the urgency, but like it seemed like he had like just complete disregard for like everything that Lovato like was doing. Like not like that not so much that he underestimated so much as like he just straight up didn't care. Yeah. He was just kind of a body, just kind of kinda of out there. I mean he had to know in the latter half of this fight, like this is pretty close because uh, Lovato definitely took the first two Musashi stole the third at the end. Uh, Musashi won the fourth round pretty big because he, they say, he dropped him. He had Lovato in all kinds of trouble. Um, but Lovato came back in the fifth, pretty re-energized, got back to his game, and I, like I, I give Musashi props because he, look, Lovato, if if you know him, you know his jiu-jitsu credentials. Like the fact that he was able to spend that much time on the ground and not get submitted, you know. That's something, but at the same time, it's like you got to do a little more than you can't just not get submitted. Like you can't fight to not get finished. Like you have to actually do something. And outside of those few moments where he did have some explosive offense, like he was just kind of there. And but I, I got to give props to Lovato for his skill set. Like he was really able to just take Gegard down and. He, he had really, really good control, and Musashi was not able to offer much much of a resistance or not not enough to win the fight. So, um, Lovato Jr., your new Bellator middleweight champ, uh, won to be a majority top, division. Top 10 middleweight in the world now. Yeah, and that, and that, that kind of, like, pressuring, you know, ground game he has, that'll give anybody problems. Like, you don't, it's not a guy you really want hanging on your back for too long because he's going to put you in a bad spot and it's, it's not going to be a good time. Yeah, like I I came, like my, I, I, I I picked Gegard Musasi pretty comfortably. Like I, I did not give Lovato Jr. much of a chance to win this fight. I didn't realize how, one, how big it, as fuck he is for this division. Like he is a, he's a light heavyweight in there. And two, like he, he has a pretty good variety of takedowns. Uh, like he, he, he's actually like a pretty good wrestler, which I did not expect. I guess I just haven't been following his career all that closely. Um, but yeah, no, props to him. Props to him, I guess. Um, I, I wonder if they just run this one back or if they give uh, Lovato uh, Machida. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, some cheetahs out here uh, beating up old men, but... <laughs> Yeah. I, I, he beat the former champion in Rafael Carvalho. Um, they really don't have much else at middleweight. I assume they were planning on doing the rematch between Musasi and uh, Machida if Musasi won. 
Um, if like Gagger doesn't even seem to like, he came out with um, a quote earlier in the day where he's like, "Yeah, I don't love MMA. I just do it for money." Which, in all honesty, if you had asked me like five years ago, I would've been like, "Yeah, no, that sounds like Wasasi." But like, if if he's out here getting tired after like two rounds of grappling, like I can't imagine. Um, you know, he, he's like really hungry to get back in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Need need a little more, uh, a little more urgency. But I, I'll give the vital props, like you said. I didn't think. Um, I've watched the vital fight. Maybe it's just because I didn't remember his fights that well. But he did have a lot of good. I'm actually watching a gif right now of some of the takedowns he landed, and they're all different. Like, <laughs> it's not like he was like, oh, I'm just shooting for double legs or. Oh yeah, no. Like, there's a there's a lot of like double leg into an uh, inside trip, um, you know, single leg head drag, like uh, what's what, knee tap? There we go, running yeah. knee tap like Frank Edgar style, like single leg kick out the other leg, um, just like really just like stuff you, stuff you don't see from like a lot of BJJ guys, like you know, trap the leg, grab the hip, and just fall backwards and trip them down, like that's like. It, I think Damian Maya is really the only Damian Maya and Jack are the only like jujitsu guys who have ever seen like commit to the wrestling bit of grappling in MMA. Yeah, he he made he made it look good. So, congrats, man, Rafael Lovato Jr., uh, your new Bellator middleweight champ. Uh, and a lot of people from the jujitsu community seem pretty happy for him. He's been putting on for them. So, dude, dude's a champ, and he's he's legit. When it wasn't no fluke or anything like that. Like, he really went out there and he, he handled business. And like you said, I didn't give him much of a chance in the fight either. I thought Gagar was going to win this pretty handedly. But, hey, man, fights are uh, they're not one on predictions. Got to go out and perform. So, shout out to Lovato Jr., Bellator middleweight champ. And the other fight we will mention, Paul Daly versus Eric Silva. I'll say the one thing about this fight that made me happy is, like, at least Silva didn't die. That's something for me. Um, <laughs> you know, it it was a cool fight. Um, yeah, how did he not get knocked out? Yeah, he ate because he he ate some shots. He ate some. Um, Daly landed a couple uppercuts that he put his whole soul into, and somehow Silva was still standing. Um, so yeah, I got to give Silva credit on that end because I, I want to say it was the second round where Daly had him in trouble. Might have been the first. Um. But no, yeah, he definitely rocked Silva a couple of good times. Caught him with like a uh, <laughs> he did like a flying karate, not karate kick, but like a I don't know what that little flying kick was he did that he caught Silva with, but that like partially landed too. Um, Silva had a, a decent. I understood what he was trying to do in the first round. He immediately like went for the takedown. I was like, oh, he's gonna try to just stifle Daly's game. He knows what his weakness is, and it worked I think for the first round. But after that, Daly wouldn't have none of that. Tag Silva up. Um, Silva was throwing back, but you, you kind of got the feeling like as long as Daly doesn't get clipped, he's probably going to have this fight in the bag. It, it was a fun fight, but Silva's just not, you know, we've had the Silva discussion <laughs> too many times. Uh, I'm not going to have it again, but he's, uh, yeah. I don't really know what else to say, but entertaining fight, good performance from Daly. Um, put put hands and feet on uh on Eric Silva and had a nice little entertaining three rounder. So uh, Paul Daly won that unanimous decision. 
Um, you catch any of these other fights, or? Um, I caught a small glimpse of Fabian Edwards and Jonathan Basuku, and I caught a small glimpse of the James Gallagher fight. But like, I didn't see enough of them to honestly really break them down or pay attention. I want to say, was the Kate Jackson fight the one where she had her mounted and was just wailing on her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, that, that that I do remember. <laughs> um, I kind of jumped around a bit. Well, I, I'll let you go because you, you might have seen more than I did. No, nah, no, nah, nah, that's basically like like I was just fed like I I was fed up with uh the, the schedule like because I was like. Cause I was like, skim- I skimmed through, like I saw the Kate Jackson fight when I tuned in for the prelims. I'm like, okay, I like Kate Jackson as a prospect eventually to fight um, Illumina McFarlane. It's just an interesting grappling matchup. So like, I- I'll tune in for that. I stood, the- I-, I watched that. Um, I didn't have any interest in sitting around for Galore Bafondo, Charlie, and the Charlie Ward fights because they weren't fighting each other, and that <laughs> seems absurd to me. Um, I'm kind of mad that I missed the Alfie Davis fight because, like, I, I saw a thing of him, like, uh, axe-kicking a man to death, um, which you don't see a lot. So I was like, oh, he seems interesting. But I didn't get to, I didn't get to see it live, so I didn't go, and I haven't had time to go back and watch it. Um, so, I, like, I tuned in, and, then, like, okay, it went to a fight between um, Charlie Leary and Chris Bun- Bungard that Charlie Leary won, and then I tuned out because I... They they didn't air the um you know what they didn't air the uh the Oliver Endcamp Walter Kahadzab fight that I wanted to see. Apparently that was gonna be a post slam, so uh I was like, you know what, whatever. And then like halfway through uh between the wait time for from the prelims to like the, the, the Bellator ad main card, I realized that they were doing the uh the, the fights live for the UK crowd, but I wouldn't be able to watch until nine o'clock. So I was like, okay, guess that's a whole part of the card I'm just not gonna watch because I'm not, I'm not sit, staying up after the UFC card to to watch that. If I stay up, I'm gonna go out and do something because UFC ended at 9, 30, 10 o'clock today. So um, I didn't see any of that card, though I, I do see the results, and I, I'm kind of upset that I missed some of them, but that's what it is. Yeah, just some of the fights real quick for anybody who was interested. Uh, a couple of notable ones if you guys wanted to see but didn't know. Uh, James Gallagher defeated Jeremiah Lebiano via unanimous decision. Fabian Edwards defeated Jonathan Pasuku uh, via unanimous decision. Uh, Costello Van Stinas, uh defeated Mike Shipman via KO. Charlie Ward defeated Justin Moore via TKO. Uh, we mentioned Kate Jackson earlier. She defeated Lena. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last name. <laughs> Kate Jackson. Sinekova. There we go. Kate Jackson beat her via TKO. Uh, you mentioned Alfie Davis defeated Jorge Canella via unanimous decision. Galore Bufando defeated Keith McCabb uh, via unanimous decision. And uh, uh, Denise Kilholtz uh, defeated Brioni Tyrell via TKO. And Oliver Encamp defeated Walter uh, Gahadza via submission. So that was Bellator London. It was probably a good card, but just all this confusion on how to watch it and the time difference and tape delay, and it was way too much confusion to try to keep up with, and I'm just, I was kind of over with it, but everything, I guess, should be up now, maybe, I, I don't even know, but Bellator is normally pretty good at at least putting fights up, so I don't know, go go back to the zone, watch the prelims, go to bellator.com, hopefully some of the fights are on there, but... um. 
it was probably a good card. It's just Bellator, Bellator too much. <laughs> it's just, they made this too hard to watch. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And their next card looks very interesting. Like, you know, Julia Budd, your your mileage may vary, but uh, I, I like her opponent, Olga Rubin. Uh, Rafael Corral versus Chidi Anjikwani. Christina Williams versus Juliana Velasquez. Uh, yeah, Velasquez. Ed Ruth versus Kichi Kunimoto. Leslie Smith make, uh, fighting Sinead Kavanaugh. Um, I don't care about AJ Agazam or Agazarm. Don't uh, his name. Yeah. He has no love on this podcast. Uh, and Bruna Ellen versus Alina Kalyanidu. Uh, that yeah, those are that's an interesting card. That's a fine Friday night on Paramount. So yeah, if you're well. interested in that, you know, July twelfth. Yeah, so. Watch that in one central location where there mm-hmm. won't be time lag and all that craziness. No tape delay there. Right. Um, I reluctantly mention this card. I'm gonna speed run through this because of time. Uh, Bare Knuckle was a thing that happened. Y'all guys know my feelings on Bare Knuckle. But I know some of you uh, degenerates are mm. entertained <laughs> by this. So I will run down the card, who won, who lost, and then we will move on to UFC. So about an hour and 40 in. We still got a whole card to cover. But uh, main event, Autumn Lobov, uh, Autumn Lobov defeated Pauli Malinaji uh, via unanimous decision. From what I heard, the fight was trash. But I don't know what you guys were expecting. <laughs> but that was the thing that happened. Lobov beat a professional boxer. Go figure. Or former. I don't know if he's retired. I don't really care. Um, he is retired. There we go. He also threw five punches in the whole fight. So I don't know why he's upset that he lost. <laughs> I, like, so I, I didn't see the whole fight. I seen like highlights and stuff. But my favorite part is apparently after the fight, he was like, he never even hit me. And there's a gigantic slash right, right above <laughs> yeah. his eye that is like an inch into his skull. You can see his skull. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, yeah, that was that was that fight. Also had Dakota Cochran uh, defeated Chris Lieben. Don't know why we're still allowing Lieben to fight, but that is another story for another day. Uh, Johnny Bedford uh, defeated Reginald Barnett Jr. via five... Uh, via unanimous decision. Uh, Julian Lane defeated Tom Schof via unanimous decision. Joey Beltron won via TKO over Jamie Campbell. Joe Riggs. I don't, I'm not mentioning the rest of this card. Why is Joe Riggs on this card? I'm not mentioning If you guys want to see it, go to Tapology. They got this whole thing up here. <laughs> I'm not mentioning you, you want to talk about Jim Ehlers? No, I don't want to talk about Jim Ehlers. You remember when Jim Ehlers was like, Conor McGregor ducked me in Cage Warriors? <laughs> Well, he won. He got a KO. So, uh, I don't know. So, who came out the winner in that? Oh, at least Ailers is still fighting, so. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't seen Connor in a minute. Well, we, saw, we saw him in, um, was it April now? November? I don't even know what month it is. It's been a while, but yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. Go fight Ailers. That's your comeback fight, Connor. Ailers is on a one-fight win streak. Two fights, actually. That's the fight to make. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Jim Ellers would not be the guy. I'd be like, go do bare knuckle like fighting. Like he, he's been knocked out a lot. Oh boy, oh, he won. So that was bare knuckle FC six. I don't know what else to tell you guys. You go look it up at your own risk. Um, you shouldn't be spending money on this shit. Like the way to enjoy this circus sport is to watch like afterwards when it like 
with the million. When it pops up on YouTube, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Malinagi fight was up like the second I woke up in the morning. Yeah. But that was bare knuckle UFC. Quick blurb. Now on to uh, UFC. What city was this? Greenville. Greenville. My bad. <laughs> UFC Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, that went down on Saturday. Um, so we'll just start from the top. Main event. Korean zombie, Chen Sung Jung. Nobody calls him by his real name. Everybody, I feel like even in articles, they just write Korean zombie. They don't even put his name. <laughs> Versus Hanato Moicano. Not a ton to analyze this fight because, boy, they did not last long. Um, came out, I don't know, pumped a few jabs, a few feints. Moicano threw. Korean zombie beautifully slipped the punch. Came over with an overhand right. I thought Moicano was going to be dead from the overhand right. Kind of similar to the way Dumbay cracked uh, uh, Nabiev. I-, I thought that one hit would have been over. But he, he cracked Moicano, dropped him, landed some ground and pound, ended up taking his back. Um, Moicano tried to survive, ate one too many punches, and it was over. Like, <laughs> the fight, it all happened so fast. Um, Perhaps to Moicano, because that first punch he ate should have probably, like, Killed him. Yeah, like it, it, it. That's one of the cleanest overhand rights you're ever gonna see land on a human being off of a slip. Yeah, and like, yeah, that. Yeah, it's just the slip made it so much worse. Cause like, I don't even know if he was really expecting that, and yeah, it just floored him. But it, it's something that there's not a lot to analyze. Like Korean zombie killed him. He just he mauled him. So, funny story. This is Korean zombie's second win. Since he beat Dustin Poirier in twenty twelve. Jesus. He's only fought three times since then. The the Aldo fight, uh the Bermudez fight, and then the uh the the Yair Rodriguez fight. Uh, and the time that we lost him to his uh military service injuries. Injuries and, and whatnot. He's making up for lost time, man. It, it's it's, it's He's had three kids since that fight. Right? <laughs> I was gonna say it, so many props like to Korean Zombie because you had these injuries, you know, you had kids, you had your military service. He has not missed a beat, man. And I mean, to be honest, he was on his way to winning the Rodriguez fight up until the elbow. I think he was, um, but you know, elbows happen. Sometimes, even when they're freakishly video gameish, but just wild that he managed to miss so much time. But it's like he—it's like he never left. Like he came back right where he left off. Maybe better. Like <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I think, and this is just me projecting, but like the the, the injury seems to be from like the way his camp trains. Like I think they did like a, hard, a lot of hard sparring. He's down there at MMA Lab more often nowadays, I, I feel like. Um, I read, anyway. Um, that's why he did this camp. So maybe, like, just taking it easy on the sparring, doing more touch sparring, and less, like, hard sparring has been beneficial for him, and it wasn't too late for him to bounce back from all those injuries. Yeah. Whatever it is, man, I'm, I'm all for the Korean zombie coming in here and getting Ws. I, I don't care who he fights next, man. I just want to see the man fight again. Is he's 
He's always a good time. You know, win or lose, it's going to be an entertaining fight. Um, but I figure with a win over Moicano, like, you got to give him kind of a big fight after this. Like, he's putting his name up in the conversation. I don't know if I'll say title shot just yet, but probably not too far from it. Um, so, as from what I can tell, they haven't been unable to uh, to get that Brian Ortega to beat Magomed Cherpop fight done. Like, I, I'd love to see him fight one of those guys. I'm definitely down for Korean Zombie and Zabit. <laughs> that would be fun. That would definitely be fun. Um, and then he'd definitely tell us if he was ready for like the top of the division. So that would, that would tell us for both of them, I think. That would tell us if Korean's ready to make another leap, if Zabit can beat like an elite, elite guy. Because like, like I said, they, even as as long as Zombie's been gone, even though you know he's been back for a short amount of time, like I, I don't think he's missed the beat. He's still that top guy he was when he left. Uh, I don't think there's much of a difference. Um. But nah, man, awesome win for a Korean Zombie, man. Great, great to see him win. This dude is just always fun to watch fight. And I, I would love to see, you know, probably won't happen this year, maybe sometime 2020, Korean Zombie in the title fight. No matter who's the champ at the time, I, I don't care. I would love to see it. Would, would love to see it. Same, same. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, Could you run maybe... back Zombie Aldo? I mean, I don't see why not. Um, Aldo's only got like one fight left, right? Ah, we gotta get to Pettis. God, Pettis is fighting Diaz. Yeah, so and Pettis is probably never coming down to one fifty ever again unless he gets like a big, big fight, like a, a Conor McGregor fight or something. Uh, so. I guess if I can't, God, I wanted Pettis Aldo so bad. I wanted Aldo to go up, <laughs> but we, we're not gonna get that fight. I, I'm definitely not mad at the Korean Zombie Aldo rematch. That would be fun. That would definitely be fun. Um, so, we'll, we'll see, though. But congrats to Korean Zombie, man. He went out there and just kind of mopped the floor <laughs> with Moicano. Beautiful right hand uh, that knocked him down and eventually got the finish. So, shout-outs to him. Uh, co-main event. And it's crazy because this car got shuffled around a lot because we had injuries. And we, we were supposed to have had uh, Lineker and Rob Font. And that fight didn't happen, but... The fights we got were still good, man. Co-main event, Randy Brown versus uh, Brian Barberina. A really pr- pretty fun, entertaining fight. I-, I was happy to see... I'm always happy to see a guy with Randy Brown's frame who can, like, actually use his frame. Yep. He's, like, tall and lanky. And it's so frustrating watching, like, an ally, Stephen Struve, even though I love I love him. But, like, he has all this reach and, like, just doesn't... <laughs> just don't really use it. Like, Randy Brown understands, like, oh, I'm long and lanky. My legs stretch halfway across the cage. So I'm just going to body kick you with this front kick from where I'm at, and you can't really touch me. Um, Lots of good body kicks that Brian Barberina clearly felt. Um, This was a fun fight. Like, you know Brian Barberina is going to bring it every time. Randy Brown was just really good at utilizing distance. Barberina couldn't really get inside much. Um... Those, that, those body shots really just started adding up. And you, you could tell just over the course of the fight, they just really started to hurt up until that finishing sequence. Um, I feel like I'm drawing a blank on what happened in the second round. Cause I feel like Bar- Barbarina had a good second round. I just can't remember what happened. It was a better second round, but it's one I thought he lost. Um, like he, he was able to be – he was a little more aggressive. 
Um, and him, he, he was able to neutralize some of Brown's work by uh, forcing the fight into the clinch and, like, being the instigator. But like, he was still getting turned. He, he still wasn't, like, able to come forward as much as he, he, he normally is. And, like, one of the things Brown did that was really great is that when Barbaretta would move away, he, he just didn't chase him. Like, he didn't, like, like he, he didn't con- try to convince himself that he had Barbarana hurt and tried to chase him down and then just walk into something like some of the other people that uh, Barbarana has fought. Um, and it was just like, uh, this is the best performance of Randy Brown's career, like by far. Like uh, the boxing was on point, like just wonderful use of the jab. Uh, great at sticking Barbarana at the end of his reach and just not falling into the trap of like having these prolonged uh exchanges where Barbarita could just like crafty himself into the like into distance where he can land that right hand um and like you said the body kicks like he's always been a kicker but like that that this was the most aggressively seen his uh is kicking um just the 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 uh I guess it was a push kick that he landed to the body in the third that that yeah, started that- yeah, that started it. Yeah, like just really, really great stuff. Like, and shouts to his corner who, after the second round, and uh, Brown was like, "Am I up two rounds?" And they were like, "It doesn't fucking matter. You need this round." And just basically psyched him up, right, to go out there and get the finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, that's good to see. Like, you want, and that's how you get a performance out of a fighter like that. Like, don't don't be out here trying to coast the third round. Like, especially against a guy like Barbarina, who you know. He's a wild man. At any moment, the fight can turn back in his favor if you let him claw his way back in this. So you gotta, you gotta put him out. Um, yeah, good, good body work. And I, I like that he just he kept going to the body because a lot of <laughs> we've seen guys land a shot that clearly hurt the opponent, and then they like go for a takedown or do something stupid. Like <laughs> I like that he didn't abandon the body shots. Um, once he had Barbara in the hurt, backed him up against the cage, landed a few more good shots, and then I think he he crumpled him. With a um like a hook to the body that just kind of dropped him and that was it, um, but not great great performance from Randy Brown man. Um, a lot of fights on this card were like a lot of these like mid tier kind of fighters putting on like really solid performances. Yeah, like it, uh, a lot of like range dynamic too, because like this fight. The uh the the Lipsky McCann fight, the Win Spicely fight, the uh the the E Well Anderson Dos Santos fights were all basically just like here's a really tall guy who wants to keep you at range, and here's a really short guy or a short short guy who want or girl who wants to get inside and like do damage there, and there was varying degrees of success. In fact, the main card was just the the rangier guys having that type of success. And the prelims were the uh, the shorter ones having all the success. So uh, it was just a really funny dynamic Man, that we so. saw play out over and over and over again. Right. <laughs> all the lanky guys watched the guy fight before. I'm like, all right, he he threw the left. All right, little <laughs> in the back taking notes. <laughs> but um, congrats to Randy Brown. Man, that was a really really great performance. Uh, he won via TKO in round three. Uh, moving on, as you mentioned, uh, at Bantamweight, we had Andre Ewell, or Ewell, it's Ewell. Oh, yeah, Ewell, 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 yeah, Andre my Ewell bad. versus uh, Anderson Dos Santos. Uh, this was another really fun, you know, just back-and-forth scrap. Um, 
Ewell was letting that left hand, but that straight left down the pipe was money. He caught uh, Dos Santos with that a, a good number of times. Uh, do, like that, like so. Every anytime he uh, Ewell had to come forward and like throw more than like three or four punches, he got really sloppy. But he also had like a ten inch reach advantage, right? <laughs> so he he did a really good job of just like, okay, I'm not gonna come all the way in. I'm going to take like half a step and throw this wild hook. But it's going to connect because Dos Santos is still in my range, but he can't touch me. Um, like, yeah, just beautiful, like, use of the left hand, the step back counter left hand. Dos Santos just had, like, for the first two rounds, anyway, Dos Santos just had no clue how to, like, get inside and actually do anything. Anytime he tried to, he just got clipped. You're fast, too. Yeah, he has yeah. some... Dude's got some hand speed on him, man. Just... Yeah, I, it's instantaneous, like, chin-checking. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I like Yule as a prospect. I think the only thing in this fight that, I don't know if it would bother me, but, you know, just something I noticed. And I, I think it's kind of the same in some of the other fights I've seen from him. Um, it, as fun as this fight was, and you, you kind of knew Yule was on the way to winning, but I, I do feel like Dos Santos got his takedowns rather easily. Oh, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> especially in that third round where he should have been the most hard and the most hurt. Right. And he was still able to to get takedowns, albeit, you know, Yol always found his way out uh, of the bad spot, but... Uh, he did get mounted. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Pretty easily, too. That's the bad... That, like, I'd be fine if Yol was just getting taken down, but like, he's getting his guard passed pretty easily. Yeah. And it's like, if he can't... There's some some pretty good wrestlers at bantamweight. You don't want that to be the, you know, so some guy's gonna be able to take you down and just keep you there. Luckily, he was able to have so much success on the feet, and you know, it ultimately won him the fight. But you 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 know, just just something that he should probably work on. I'm pretty sure he's. Uh, like I'm sure, I'm sure they got him work on it. Yeah. yeah, just just something to look out for. But no, I I like him as a prospect. I think he he's been looking pretty good lately. Like I said, this. Really good hand speed, nice countering. The straight left is is money, and his fights are pretty entertaining. So, uh, shout out to Andre Yule. That was an awesome fight. Definitely one to go back and watch. Uh, moving on down to women's flyweight, uh, Andrea KGB Lee versus Montana De La Rosa. Um, boy, once uh, thought De- <laughs> I feel like De La Rosa went into this fight like, all right. I might get tagged up on the feet. If I can get a takedown, good. Be fine. Everything will work out. First round comes. Exchanges on the feet. Lee caught her with one of them real hard jabs. <laughs> she was like, all right, enough of this. Goes for a takedown. And then Lee starts getting back up. Like, Lee had, like, the Derrick Lewis moment. Where it's like, all right, we're not doing this anymore. I got I to gotta get back to my feet. I mean, that was his whole fight. Yeah. <laughs> like, once you realize that, like, Della Rosa could get a takedown, but she couldn't hold Lee down for like more than like ten seconds. It was like, ah, oh, you're in trouble, cause Lee was, you know, getting off strikes. She's slipping punches. Uh, I want to say I don't remember what round, but Della Rosa's nose or somewhere on the face was bleeding. Um, and Della Rosa just didn't really have the striking skill set to really hang with with Lee, who we know is a, a pretty good striker, and the fact that Lee was able to, like, slip a lot of punches, had some pretty solid defense. And she's actually pretty 
good on the ground as well. Like she's she's a very well rounded fighter. Like it, Lee, Lee just had too many tools. Like De La Rosa had that one, you know, the, these takedowns that I, she, I guess she was kind of leaning on to maybe win her the fight. But once those couldn't get going, there wasn't really much else she could do. Andrea, uh, you know, Lee was pretty much better in every other area. Um. Oh, yeah, well, what were your your thoughts on the performance? Um, from I get, I get positives first for uh, for Lee. Um, so like um, when she let her hand, like when she let her offense go, like she is really fun to watch. Like super clean techniques, hits pretty damn hard. She's really strong. She's really athletic. Like that's how she was able to springboard herself out of a lot of those takedowns, or like, it, it, like it's not just athleticism. Like, you know, she she would uh, use her strength to create openings for her to get the like underhooks, for example, when uh, when Montana de Rosa would try to like go for a double, like, she would drag her body up, you know, pop the pop de La Rosa's elbows, and then go in and get dig for underhooks with both arms and turn around and have her back uh, push. De La Rosa against the cage. So, like, from that perspective, like, she's great. From the perspective of she's, like, one fight away from fighting Valentina Shevchenko because everybody in this division is, um, she's going to have to dictate where the fight takes place more. Like, it's one, it's one thing to be like, okay, I can get up when somebody takes me down. It's another thing to be like, okay, not only can I stop the takedown, but I can disengage so that they don't get a, de- a second shot in. Right. Or I, I can, or I can completely nullify any takedown attempt by not getting pressed into the cage in the first place. And from that perspective, De La Rosa was basically able to get Lee to the cage whenever she wanted. Like it, it took a bit of like you know, head uh, head down, eyes up, like nose to the ground, uh, nice nose to the grind type stuff. But like basically, whenever she wanted, she was able to push Lee into the cage. Like. This fight mostly took uh, place along the cage. If you're Lee, you want the fight to be taking place in the center of the cage, where you're going to be able to have like more options over how to dictate like range and pace and just let your offense go. So from that perspective, like she still has a lot of work to do, and that's something we saw against Roxy um, when she she fought Roxy like her second or third pro fight ever. Like Roxy was able to push her back and dictate where the fight was taking place that doesn't just mean like on the feet or on the ground so much as it does okay we're at range we're not at range we're all in the cage we're not on the cage um like you're on the defense oh you're trying to do oh, oh i'm being reactive to your offense like that type of stuff like that, that, that stuff she has to work on um i'm sure she has like this was way better than her first efforts against somebody like this but like i said she's Probably one or two fights away from fighting Valentina Shevchenko because let's let's be real, there's no real hierarchy in this division. Right. She's won three fights in a row, like yeah. Yeah. so. It is. It, it's I, like it, it. It sucks to have to look through look everything from this perspective of like, okay, what do you offer Valentina Shevchenko? But we're kind of in that like Anderson Silva middleweight era where like. Okay, what do you have to offer Anderson Silva? Like, I can't get hype on you unless, because you're like your next fight's gonna be like Anderson Silva. Like, what what do you right. have to offer? It's almost like you watch 
you watch any women's flyweight fight in the UFC and you're like, all right, how does she stack up against Shevchenko? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. I mean, and I, I guess I'll say for Lee, like, I wouldn't pick her against Shevchenko, but I, I do like her skill set. Um, a, a really good striker, like you said, somebody who's also really, like, physically strong because Shevchenko's pretty physically strong for this division. Um, Rollick. Yeah. She, she could... I'm trying to think of how to face it. She, I'll give her more than a round. Like, <laughs> I'll say she she survives more than a round. Anything past that, I don't know. Um, no, nah, she's she's got a lot of good tools though. Solid defense. She, she's fun to watch. Like you said, when her when she does let her offense go and she she gets things flowing, like she's really fun to watch. And she's pretty well rounded no matter where she goes. It's just that she. You want to be the one choosing where yeah, things yeah. go. She's got to be a little more assertive. Like, you, you can't, especially against Shevchenko, you don't want to just let the fight happen. Like, you need to control what is happening in this fight because if you let Shevchenko get any kind of comfortable, we've already seen how that can go. You don't you don't want that for yourself. Um, but, yeah, like you said, we're probably going to see her in a title shot one, two, <laughs> one or two fights from now either way. So uh, I hope she's ready. <laughs> Hope she knows this is coming because it's definitely not too far around the corner. But great, great win on her, man. She's somebody we've uh, been keeping an eye on for a while, and so so far so good. So 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 far looking pretty solid. So that's Andre Lee got the win of the unanimous decision, and the last fight of the main card uh, going to men's middleweight Kevin Holland versus Alessio De Kirico. Um So I did not see this fight. Like, I, here's the thing. I, 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 what was I doing? Like, this is right after the Masasi Lovato fight, so I think I was just, like, kind of, like, reflecting on it. Yeah. Um, so I didn't see a lot of Holland to Jericho. I, I did see the last 10 seconds where Kevin Kevin Holland just decided, while pressed along the cage, he was just going to s- clap Alessio to Jericho yeah. with a pair of cymbals. Yeah. Which, yeah. in my mind, is a 10-7 round for Kevin Holland. Yeah. This it, this fight wasn't a great fight, but it had like these little subtle. It had Kevin Holland moments. Yeah, it had just these little moments where it's like this isn't a great fight by any stretch, but like I'm kind of entertained at the same time. Like there was a moment where Holland was against the fence and he jumped to do a flying knee, and like Holland's a pretty tall, lanky guy, and like the Kiriko caught the knee, and I think he tripped. It was weird to watch. And then there was this moment where, well, props to Holland because he got injured. I can't remember what round it was, but his shoulder got dislocated. And there was a really hilarious moment where, like, I don't think, I don't know if the Kiriko really knew what happened, but, like, clearly Holland, like, after the round, he was pointing to his shoulder, and he goes back to his cornerman. And, you know, the cornerman is still mic'd up, so we can hear everything. And he he leans over to his corner, and he's like, yeah, popped out again. Um, He's like, yeah, my, my shoulder. And, um... They were like, can, can you lift it above your, um, you know, can you lift it above your head? We can just pop it back in. So he's having this back and forth. And then I think, I can't remember if it was the ref who came over or like one of the doctors. And I guess they overheard him. And they was like, oh, what's wrong with your shoulder? And he was like, huh? He was like, yeah, your shoulder, your shoulder okay? He's like, huh, what you mean? My shoulder's fine. It's like, no, your shoulder, you said it's hurt. He's like, no, I didn't say that. Like, <laughs> they just had this really wild Kevin Holland back and forth exchange. But uh, no, he he went out. 
He fought, he fought a hard third round with a shoulder, I guess, still hurt. Um, it wasn't like a great fight. It was a lot of stuff going on against the cage. Um, and I don't know. It wasn't really a ton going on. But there's just these little subtle Kevin Holland moments that kind of made it fun to watch. And then the post-fight interview was kind of funny. He was making fun of DeKirico. Like, oh, he's complaining and hitting the cage and doing all this yelling. Like, I don't know what's wrong with this crowd, baby. Um, I don't know. It, it was a weird... It was a weird fight. Well, not not the funnest fight. I don't really have a lot to say about it, but just subtle Kevin Holland moments that make you appreciate Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland is the best bad fighter in the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> you think the guy's a bad? I'm gonna defend him. He's, he's he's okay. I don't think he's a bad fighter. Not I'm not he ain't winning no championship anytime soon. I hope he trolls his way to a UFC title shot. Hey man, I'm all <laughs> I'm all for it. I I think he's pretty solid. He just he's just one of those like mid tier just you know he'll float around there. He'll, he'll give you some fun fights. He'll he'll give you some good sound clips. Now my my expectations of him aren't too high, so I, I'm not really. I'm not looking to, like, watch a Kevin Holland fight and be like, oh, my God, he won via, I don't know. <laughs> Just think of an impressive finish. I'm, I'm watching a Kevin Holland fight to get one fun sound clip. He'll, he'll talk some trash. I just want to be entertained. And if I can get that from a Holland fight, I'm, I'm happy. Um, this fight wasn't so much entertaining on the fight side, but just, like, like I said, these other little subtle moments that kind of made it, just kind of made it interesting to watch. So, I don't know. I'll, I'll take it. Um, but Holland won via unanimous decision. So, that that was that fight. So, that was the main card of the ESPN Plus portion. Uh, pretty dope main card. All of those fights were awesome. Like, I, the Holland one was obviously probably the worst. But everything after that was pretty awesome. Like, a lot of good performances. Blood going everywhere. It, it was a lot going on. Like I said, a lot of... You got to see a lot of guys who were just kind of like in the mid-tier range of their division put on really good performances. And then, of course, in the main event, you get Korean Zombie showing that he's still the Korean Zombie. Like, he, he's still here. Um, moving on to the prelims, which were on ESPN. Um, also had some pretty, a couple of okay performances. Some fights I would have rather not seen, a la Luis Pena, Matt Wyman, but we'll get to that. Uh Prelims were headlined by Dan Ige versus Kevin Aguilar. Did you get a chance to watch this? Uh, I did. Um, I, I don't recall it in great detail other than it was a really fun fight. Um, that Again, that was like the Lovato Musasi fight was happening at that time. So like, I was like kind of more focused on that. I did see Ige drop Kevin Aguilar um, in the first round. Yeah, I, I don't know if I was sleeping on Ige, I was, like, surprised at how much he was able to hurt him. Like, did he just knock out um, Dan Henry? Or, not Danny Henry. Um, crap, what's the guy's name? The the the, uh, the guy who knocked out um, uh, the... Uh... Oh, yeah, yeah, Danny Henry. You had, you had it right. Uh, it was Danny Henry? Okay, yep. cool. Oh, no, he submitted, he submitted him. But he... he submitted, but he knocked him down first. Yeah, yeah. I... I don't know if I was just sleeping on Ige, because I've been following Aguilar, because I follow a lot of the LFA guys, so that's where I knew him from. And if you've seen Aguilar, man, you know that dude can crack, man. <laughs> and I I was surprised at how much Ige was... Ige looked sharp, man. He, he picked his shots really well. 
Um, like I said, I can't remember a ton of detail in terms of like technique, but like I said, he was he was able to drop him. He was winning in a lot of areas of the fight. Like it was entertaining and back and forth. But Ige was getting the better of a lot of the exchanges. He was able to get Aguilar to the ground. Um, I think Aguilar did reverse him. I want to say at one point, but Ige looked he looked sharp out there, man. Um, just landed a lot of good shots. He busted Aguilar up. I was surprised that Aguilar wasn't really able to hurt him. Because, like I said, if, if you've watched Aguilar fights, you know dude can crack. And Ige just put on a really, really fun, solid performance. And how many wins in a row is this? Uh, one, two, four wins. Santiago, Mike Santiago, Jordan Griffin, Danny Henry, and then Aguilar. Um, so, yeah, his only loss in the UFC was his debut. Well, I don't, I don't really t- count the contender series, but yeah, his only loss was uh, Julio Arce. Uh, at least in the UFC, has been his only loss. Um, but nah, since then, man, dude's been really solid. This is a really good performance. Aguilar isn't an, an easy out, and he went in there, man. He really handled business. I was, I was pretty impressed. Um, so shout out to Dan Ige. Hope he got his blood back. Remember that? <laughs> that, 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 that was a wild story. <laughs> Guys, go back and listen to some of our prior episodes. We, we you know, there, there was an incident when Dan Ige got his blood stolen. <laughs> that was crazy. But, um, no, nah, man, props to Dan Ige. That was a really, really good performance. Uh, moving down at women's strawweight, uh, we had Ashley Yoder against uh, Suri Kondo. Uh, Suri Kondo won the entrance music battle. Uh, that was probably about it. Uh Kondo couldn't really get much of her striking going because Yoder was able to take her down pretty much every round. Um, I was surprised at the scorecard. Like, I knew Yoder was going to win, but the scores were 30, 30, 30 to 26, 30 to 25, and somebody scored a 30 24. Like, I don't remember Yoder, like, battering her as much as she definitely won. I was just surprised at how lopsided, you know. How do you give Yoder a, a 10-8 in that last round where she almost got submitted? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know. Yoder definitely uh, put in work, able to just get a lot of good takedowns, pretty much enforced her game plan. Kondo couldn't get much of her striking off at all. Um, I don't remember the fight in ton of specific detail, like I said, other than just Yoder just was able to pretty much take her down at will and Kind of just do what she wanted. Um, I don't know. You, you remember this fight at all in detail? Yeah. Um, no, it was a lot, like you said, like Yoder taking uh, taking Kondo down. Kondo had some moments in the early second round, and like I said, she almost submitted uh, Yoder with like the five finger choke in the third at the beginning of the third round. But um, it, it was mostly Ashley Ashley Yoder taking her down, um, threatening for the rear naked choke. Or, like, occasionally going for an arm bar and just getting it blocked. And it was a bad performance, but, like, it wasn't on a fight, a card full of, like, memorable fights that went the distance. Like, you want to stand out and, like, you know, a, a submission at Strawweight is, like, a finish at Strawweight is, it, it can help really help your career. All those fights end up going to the decision. Um, so, like being able to go out there and finish girls is always, like, really a, uh, a cap in your feather. Um, Yoder couldn't get that done here. Um, you know, 30-24 c- 
kind of a head scratcher. I can see thirty twenty five. Um, but yeah, no, it was good, good, good performance from Yoder. Like she started her UFC career off. Honestly, she was like Owen. Yeah, she was Owen three to start for UFC career. So like back to back wins, really big deal. Keeps her in the in in the UFC. Um, I like she she's the woman who fought Mackenzie Dern to a split decision, right? Was that? Yep. Well, like I said, back-to-back wins keeps the lights on, and that's always a good thing. <laughs> so, congrats to uh, to Ashley Yoder. Uh, moving on to lightweight, uh, Violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena versus Matt Wyman, who hasn't fought in what four, five, ten? <laughs> How long has it been? Almost five years. Yeah, yeah, been been a while. I'm be honest with you guys. Uh, I think I could have went without this one. Um, Same. Yeah. Like, in the first round, I was like, you know what? It'd be cool if Wyman could come back after this time off. Maybe clip paint it somehow. Get a win. Or just, like, have a moment. But it's just... Like, I, I don't want to take away from Pena because he, he pretty much dominated this fight. Um, and I'll give it to Wyman. Like, he lasted for a guy who hasn't been in here for four, four to five years. I, I thought he probably would have went out earlier. He, he he gutted out a lot of this fight, just sheer grit, just able to survive. Uh, Pena, Pena pretty much won in all areas. He tagged them up on the feet, caught him with some one-twos or, like, the uppercut to the straight, took him down, clinch work, beat him up on the ground. Like, he, he Pena, Pena won in pretty much every area of the fight. But to be honest, by, like, the end of, like, round two, <laughs> like, I just felt like I saw enough, like, I think we clearly saw that Wyman just wasn't, he wasn't going to win this, man. Like, he was bleeding all over the place. Pena was just dominating him. And it, it was one of those fights where it's like, all right, this isn't even really fun to watch anymore. Like, dude, just get your guy out of there, man. We, he doesn't need to see a third round. Um, but, yeah, uh, Pena ended up getting the finish. He, he pretty much dominated Wyman. I, I give Wyman props. Like, he... He, he was in there trying. <laughs> like, for a guy who came off four years, he was in there swinging. He was he was trying to make something happen, but it just, you know, it, it didn't work out. Did not yeah. work out at all. It, it, this was not, um, yeah, so hindsight is, you know, 2020, but, like, oof. like, why? Yeah, I don't even is, care is this why fight... this... I, I, this fight felt like more like this was a get get Luis Pena over fight. Like it was there to make him look good, and honestly, it didn't. Like it, it, like I'm not like I feel like that fight should have been over in about like half the amount of time it was. So uh, maybe that's just me being like stingy, but you're not gonna get like. Like, that fight could have been, it should have been stopped in, like, the first or second round. Uh, yeah, like, you, you want to give him props. Like I said, I don't want to take away from him. It's like, a win over Wyman. It's like, I don't... A guy, I, a guy who hasn't fought in five years, and since he's got been gone, like, the division's just been getting bigger and more athletic. Right. And yeah, you look at his frame when he came out, and it's like, hey, you... Yeah. <laughs> it's... I went over Wyman, like, I can't really jump for joy. 
It's like you were supposed to do this. Yeah. You know, it's like when you're, you know, it's like the NCAA tournament. You're the one, the one seed playing like the lower seed. It's like, yeah, you're supposed to blow them out by like 20. That's supposed to happen. Like, I can't really. Well, you want a cookie for it? Like... Right. <laughs> like, I don't want to take away from your performance, but, like, that's that's kind of what's supposed to happen here. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't really have much for that fight, to be honest. But Pena won via TKO uh, round three. Make of that what you will. Um, next fight, which lasted all of nine seconds. Uh, why does he have to have this name that's so long? Just call him JR. <laughs> Jarzino uh, Rosenstruck. Rosenstruck uh, versus Alan Crowder. Uh, Ro- <laughs> this fight ended in literally like four punches. Uh, Rosenstruck caught Crowder with a jab that kind of just stunned him, dropped him, landed like three shots at ground and pound. And that was it. Yep. Dano yep. snapped four punches. Um,. Two in a row for Rosenstruck, right? Two or three? Two, um, I want to say, in the UFC, it's two in a row. Like, yeah, I don't think he's ever lost. Like, like, yeah, he's 8-0 in his career, but he's 2-0 in the UFC. Uh, back-to-back KO wins. Uh, Biggie Boy, uh, as he's so aptly nicknamed, uh, coming off that head kick KO over Junior Albini. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah came in here and got Alan Crowder out of there and, like, Less than a round, so. Or like uh, less than less than ten seconds. Like I think this was like the second quickest knockout yeah. in UFC in UFC heavyweight history or something. Yep. Boy, that's wild. You do all that training, and in under ten seconds. <laughs> Jesus Christ! But good, good win on one troop, man. Especially at heavyweight, always in need of new faces. Hopefully, he can just be a guy who can just come in and throw leather. Like at the end of the day, that's all we need at heavyweight. Come mm. in, throw throw leather, be halfway competent. Hopefully, oh, everything else falls into place. All these ha- all these African uh, heavyweights, bro, just out here doing it. Yeah. Shouts to Suriname. Keep it going. I, I'm a hundred percent sure I said that wrong. <laughs> they gonna pop up on the list. Oh wait, Suriname's in not in Africa. It's in South America. I knew that. Why did I say Africa? They're gonna they're gonna pop up in the the listener stats now. Mm. I can take them. <laughs> but nah, yeah. Shout out to Ron Stroop. Look, look, looking forward to seeing what he can do. Just a new heavyweight face on the scene, and hopefully he can keep keep these kind of knockouts going. It's it's been fun to watch. So I'm I'm all aboard. I'm I'm all on the train. I hope I hope it keeps going. So congrats to him. Second fastest knockout of all time in at least UFC history. Uh, moving down to women's flyweight, uh, Molly McCann versus Arian Lipsky. Uh, I just remember, uh, I just remember watching this fight, and after the first round, really kind of noticed it in the first round, but more, definitely more so after the first round. Lipsky just looked really flat and just kind of like uninspiring and just. Like, Molly's not, like, the most technically skilled fighter, but, like, she fights with, like, some oomph. (laughs) Like, she fights with, like, some passion. There's some fire there. There's some, you know, I'm trying to win this. 
it might not look the prettiest, but like I'm out here. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get this W. And Lipsky, with all the talent in the world, at least in terms of striking, just looks really just lackadaisical. Just really just eh, just Ray Meh. <laughs> just just so much to be desired. And boy, this I'm surprised Molly didn't. Um, Molly got takedowns whenever she wanted to with like no resistance like if Molly decided I want to take down she's getting takedown because Lipsky just didn't really offer anything <clears throat> yeah um the, when Molly McCann finds somebody who will just let her get to that mid range she is so fun to watch just like amazing combination like uh, i should say amazing but like it, it, it it's like i don't see a lot of women in the division like in in that side of like the usc with like her her skill set you know what i mean like the strikers we tend to get who are really good at women's um in the women's division tend to be range strikers like uh like um rose nama Yunus, um yuani and jaychik Amanda Nunes, Holly Holm, like they've all historically been like women who will mess you up at range. Like Molly McCann is just like somebody like no, I like pocket boxing, which in and of itself is like really rare in MMA. Like I'm thinking like the Johnny Hendricks, Robbie Lawler style of fighting, where they're just like in a phone booth, like like but like actually like dipping and uh, like slipping and like, so it's really fun to watch a fight. Um, and Lipitsky just had no idea what to do once her jab got figured out. Like she just kept getting countered and countered and countered, and then she got taken down, and then she got countered again. Um, just like a really one-sided performance from Molly McCann. Just like really fun stuff. It's kind of wild that you mentioned like her brawling style because I feel like she fights the way. If you look at like her frame and her build. I was like, yeah, I can see her fighting like that. Like, yeah. she's yeah. not the rangiest person, not the tallest fighter, but she she knows how to work with what she has and like make it into something. Like, yeah, and I w- like I wouldn't even call it like brawling. I, it's, it's just like good pocket boxing, like level changing, going to the body, and then finishing upstairs. Like that. That's the type of stuff you like. We don't get a lot of them in MMA, like for whatever reason. And the thing is, like, if you if you just physically look at both of them, like. <laughs> you just look at them and you figure like, all right, Molly, you have to get inside because Lipsky's a, a little longer, a little rangier. It's just, it, it was so weird just watching this. Like I'm looking at Lipsky and you can see the talent. You see like the frame and it's like, you should be out here. Like, <laughs> like you should just be, yeah, yeah, yeah. But nah, man, my, Molly, like I said, my, Molly held it down, man. Just, I was really impressed with just how easy she was able to get takedown. It's like, all right, I can get inside this range now. I'm just going to grab you. And you're not going to do anything about it. So <laughs> it's kind of like whatever I say goes. Um, I can appreciate that. She, we talk about fighters who, you know, you got to dictate where things go. You got to be able to be in some kind of control. And she, she said, if I want takedowns, I'm getting takedowns. And mm. that's that's what happened. Um, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not losing hope. On Lipsky, I, I had a back and forth exchange with somebody on Twitter about this. Um, 
said his argument uh, was, and, and valid. No, she's, what, 25? Yep. Yeah, 25, still young, still learning. And I get that. And for me, it, it's not so much that she lost her fights. It's just, like, how she looks when she loses. Like, it just looks really, I say, it just looks mm. really flat. And it's just, like, I don't know. Like, are you in a good headspace? Um, I know she's fought twice within five months. Like, do you just need to take some time off and just kind of work on your game a little more? Because, like, I feel like she has a lot of talent. Like, the division would be better for it if she pans out the way, like, we hope she can be. But it's just, like, I would hate for her to become like a footnote. Like she'd be like, oh, you know, a couple years from now, y'all remember Lipsky? Yeah, we thought she was gonna be whatever, whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, she didn't pan out. And we just move on. Like, I don't want her to be that. And it's just these, these, it's only been two fights, so you can't really. I don't want to pull the panic button already. But it's just the way that she's looked, it's like, and this, it's not like this division is super deep. So it's like. It's not like you're no, no disrespect to Molly, but you're not, you're not fighting like somebody on the level of like a Shevchenko. So it's not even like we're giving you opponents that are like super above your pay grade. So it's hey, Molly McCann is not that much different from some woman she probably would have eventually fought in like KSW. Right. So it's just like <laughs> and we we talk about the UFC building prospects or, or either, just organizations in general, like not maybe feeding their prospects to the wolves too fast like no this is a perfect build-up we're giving you people that you should be able to beat or or at least have a, a, a somewhat competitive outing against and it's not looking too good I, i'm just struggling to find where like the disconnect is um i don't know maybe you should just need to take time off definitely work on that take the down take down defense it, like we kind of mentioned in one of the fights earlier just maybe being a little more assertive like i don't know i don't know what it is just there's something missing. There's there's something missing, and Molly was able to exploit it and more. Like <laughs> Molly knew what she was trying to do, and then Lipsky just looked kind of kind of lost out there. But props to Molly, man. Like I said, she she's fun to watch. She she knows how to take what she has and just really make it work. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see how she does. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Lipsky again, but I, I I would hope she can just take some time off and just kind of work on her game. Um, you know where she trains out of? I do not. Mm, let's see. It says Curitiba. Hmm. Let's see. She trains at Kings. Ooh. See. I was thinking she was still at some like small gym in Brazil or in Poland or something, but no, she's at Kings. Yeah, I don't know. I had to figure something out because this is uh, this ain't working. But shout out to Molly McCann, man. She's out here, uh, <laughs> out here putting on. I didn't really like know who she was until like a couple fights ago. She's just been out here just having these little fun, entertaining scraps that have been pretty, pretty dope to watch. So, shout out to Molly McCann. Uh, she got the one via unanimous decision. And the last fight on the card, uh, Daniel Cormier's boy, Deron Wynn, finally made his UFC debut against Eric Spicely. Um, they had a very fun and entertaining back and forth. This is the apex of tough dad <laughs> middleweight fights where you get two dudes who just kind of 
just go in there and just just wing it. Just we're just gonna go in. I'm gonna throw uppercuts and hooks. You gonna throw uppercuts and hooks. We'll see who falls out first. Nobody fell out, man. They just they just threw back and forth. And I, I'll applaud them. We always make fun of middleweights. They they kept a pretty good pace. Uh, the pretty pretty nonstop dudes were just literally just out there throwing. Um, isn't one supposed to be a wrestler? Yeah. Yeah, there was no wrestling. (laughs) I don't think he did one take there. Like they, they, they they had some clinch work against the cage in in some moments, but I don't remember there being any takedowns. Like dudes were just out there just slugging it. Um, But I'll say good for when, like I said, what I look for in prospects, being able to get through some adversity. You know, I I feel like in a typical win fight, he would hope to be able to just out wrestle his opponent. And in a fight where he really didn't utilize his wrestling at all, he could still hang on the feet. He was landing good shots. He took good shots. Never really panicked. Um, you know, had a nice, just survived a nice grueling fight and, and looked pretty decent doing so. And and a prospect, I, I I like to see things like that. You know, when when the fight doesn't go the way you would hope, like what else can you resort to? And he showed that even with his very short and stubby frame, kind of in Cormier-like fashion, where like I think a lot of the guys he fight will probably have a height and a reach advantage over him. I mean, he has the exact same style. Right. <laughs> it literally is like Cormier Jr. Like, <laughs> like that really just kind of short, stubby dad bod, but he he has a lot of good tools and he can he can still make it work. Like really, you know, pretty decent hands. He he can throw pretty hard. Um, he bloodied spicily up a bit. And just was able to survive a grueling fight. Like I said, he really is like he really is like Daniel Cormier. Like you, you can definitely look at him and tell that he, he he's kind of cut from that same cloth. Um, but uh, how how do you feel about the fight? Uh, like I, I I like a lot of um wins individual like characteristics. Like like you said, like the the DC style approach to fighting, which I think is like the best for his build. Like, uh, he is a five five middleweight. Um, <laughs> I don't think we're. I don't think we've ever seen that type of height disparity in MMA before. We're like, you're you're like a five five one hundred eighty five or something like that. Um, but like from the flip side, it's just like okay, the reason DC style works so much so well is because people are afraid of the takedown, and when they're not, they get taken down. Like DC got lit up by Vulcan like the first two minutes of their fight. Until DC got his timing down and was able to just duck under and take him down and beat him up. Like, Darren Wynn can't go out there and have this exact same type of fight. Like, there have there has to be places in the fight where he's able to get on the inside and get the other guy down. And that's another thing. Like, uh, even if DC can't get the other guy down, he tends to be, like, a really great clinch fighter where he'll go chest to chest and just be able to dirty box with somebody. Like, anytime Darren Wynn got to the clinch here... Spicy would just grab the back of his head, consequence free, and just knee the crap out of him. And that was especially like prevalent in the third round where he got rocked by one. Um, so like those, like if I'm win and I'm looking at a table of this fight, like those are the two big takeaways. Like you got to get your wrestling going somehow, and I don't know if that's going to work um, with the height disparity he's going to be facing at the, in this division, where it's just like okay. Like, DC is, like, a special type of wrestler where he's able to get high-crotch takedowns. Um, 
you know, just based on his size, uh, like from a, a, a size standpoint where he's able to take these guys down who are like six, four, six, five, um, from the high crotch. Like, I, I don't see that for win. Like, he's just going to have to find a way to get guys down, though. And he's gonna, uh, he's gonna have to do better from the clutch. He can't just let people like tie up his head consequence free. Yeah, I was gonna say like these middleweight guys are only gonna get bigger. Like <laughs> there are gonna be a lot of guys if they clinch you, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a problem. Like, mm-hmm. There's just some people in this division you are not trying to really eat needs from. Um, but you know, first fight. First, yeah, first fight. Yeah, yeah first there's only fight. six fights in. Like there's only six professional fights. Yeah. They look great. Yeah, for, for for a six professional fight, um, and so yeah, props to them. You got the you got that fifty thousand dollar bonus. All right, came in and gave us a nice, <laughs> a nice barbecue fight league brawl. Like that's that's the ideal barbecue fight league fight would look like that. Like, yeah, yeah, two 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 tough dads just out here just just winging it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's all we need. We ain't looking for like no crazy skill set. Just go out there and wing it. Oh man, are we Dana White? <laughs> oh no, I don't care about finishes. Just punch. You don't need to get a finish. Just punch and try not to die. We might not have good health insurance. Probably can't cover that. <laughs> but no, nah, man, good good performance for Darren Wynn. That's a, that's a pretty solid debut. Uh, look, looking forward to see what he does in the future. So that was UFC Greenville. Um. Overall, man, this is a really, this is a pretty good card, man. I was pretty entertained. Um, as I said earlier, a lot, a lot of these fights were just, you got some new faces and like some middle tier guys outside of the main event, and just a lot of these mid tier fighters just really put on really solid performances and new faces impressed. Like you got, like I said, Deron Wynn on his debut, um, looking really solid. We got possibly a new face at heavyweight with Ron Stroop. Uh, Dan, Dan Ige is, you know, making a name for himself at featherweight, uh, Andrea Lee, like we said, she's probably going to be in the title shot about two fights, uh, Randy Brown and making his way in that, that, that violent weight, welterweight mix of those like mid-tier guys who are, who are trying to claw up. So he's establishing himself there. We got Andre Yule, um, looking like he'll be something fun to watch at Bantamweight on Korean zombie, just being Korean zombie, um. No, man, overall, man, a good weekend of fights. Um, definitely go back and watch this UFC Greenville card. Uh, if you got ESPN Plus, you go back and watch it on there. Um, definitely go back and watch Glory, like we mentioned, man. Cedric Dumbe, just awesome performance. Really good Glory kickboxing card. And as you mentioned, uh, a journalist will be covering now. So hopefully, you know, those guys can, like, get some more exposure. And people who want to just be able to follow the sport closely, you know, you'll have another outlet to do so. And Bellator, which seemed like it was a good card, just lots of confusion on how to watch it. But I'd imagine by the time you guys hear this podcast, between the zone and Bellator's website, hopefully a lot of those fights should be up. So you can go back and watch Lovato, Musasi, Silva, Daly, and all the other fights we mentioned. But um, no man, good weekend of fights. It was literally an all-day affair from like 11 until whenever it ended at night. But um, a lot, a lot of good fights, man. I'm, I'm not mad. It was, it was a fun, a fun weekend. I ordered Chinese food and watched people get punched in the face, and that makes me happy. So, I'm not complaining. Good night of, good, good night of fights. Go back and check out everything we mentioned. Uh, next week we will be back. Uh, what is this? June 29th. 
Uh, we will have UFC Minneapolis, which will be headlined by Junior Dos Santos and Francis Ngannou. Also on the card, you got Damian Maya versus Rocco Martin, Joseph Benavidez versus UCA Formiga, uh, Roosevelt Roberts versus Vince Purcell, Lonzo Menafield, Paul Craig, Drew Dober, Marco Polo Reyes. Oh, speaking of Albini, Junior Albini versus Maurice Green. Got Eric Anders uh, fighting again. Sergio Pettis versus Ricardo Hamos. Is that, uh, the, the Sergio Pettis fights off. Oh. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Pettis got injured, so now I think Hamos is fighting uh, some dude off of I think the contender series, Journey Newsom. Uh, let me make one hundred percent sure where he's from. Uh, uh, no, he is just some dude who's been fighting on the regional scene. He fought for final fight championships last. Well, either way. Fist of Cuffs next weekend. Not not like the, the craziest card on paper, but no, I mean those top three fights are pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. And I like I like Roosevelt Roberts, so Yeah, uh, yeah, another like prospect, another new face to to keep an eye on and see how he does. Um I, I like the Benefitas uh Formiga fight too. So um yeah, the, I, I feel like next week could be in the vein of kinda of like this card was. Like m- maybe not a, a ton of big names, but you're gonna get some quality fights. And speaking of potential challengers for Valentina Shevchenko, mm. Emily Whitmire, who is two and one in the UFC, so if she wins, why the hell not? Right. <laughs> Mind you, she's only four and two, but hey, this is what you signed up for when you uh made your way to flyweight. You know what it was. They don't care if you're ready for a title shot. You got to get in there. Get. <laughs> it's like it's you like, got to feed the champ. Right. It's like you're the last player on the bench. People got injured. Like, listen, kid. I know you haven't played all season, but <laughs> we got three you in there, man. I, I, I know it's the I know it's the the, the finals game. Right, is the, the final game, and this is for all the marbles. But and you didn't get any practice time. But right. we need you to step up. <laughs> that, that's always the phrase. You got to step up. Like, no, I don't. <laughs> I'm not. Why don't you step off? Right. <laughs> I'm not ready for this. <laughs> but, uh, nah, man, really fun weekend uh, of fight. So go back and watch everything we mentioned. And like I said, we'll be back next week uh, for UFC Minneapolis. Um, I guess real quick, are there any, um, I, don't, I don't think Bellator has a card next week. Any boxing going on next week or anything? Uh, several cards. Uh, Charlo, I don't remember which one is fighting. Uh, Jamal is fighting Brandon Abrams on, um, on Showtime. Um, over on top right got ESPN, Richard Comey and uh, Raimundo Beltran are going to be fighting on Friday. Um, Dimitris Andrade will be fighting uh, Selecki for the WBO World Middleweight title on Saturday. Um, crap, there's a, there, there's a UK card that's on top rank that's actually pretty good. That, Or at least had one or two good fights that I wanted to watch, but I can't find it in my folder here. Um, but interesting story, actually. Um, Hungmi Choi, um, for those who don't know, she's the de facto, de facto girl, um, I think is her nickname. She was actually part of the North Korean Olympic box, uh, national boxing team, but or she trained with the national boxing team. She was chosen to be on the team. You're chosen really young there, um, when it comes to athletic pursuits. Um, she was chosen to be on the national team when she was like 11 or 12 or 13. Her family fled for South Korea, 
Um, and she went on to become the WBA featherweight champion. And she'll be defending her title next week. Um, she's fighting Wakako Fujiwara. There we go. So, you know, I'm just, it, there's always something interesting going on. Oh, Plus, and you got a... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you got also got Titan FC and LFA next week. Yeah, say, uh, yeah LFA 70 uh, going down next week on the 28th, and this will be their debut in Wisconsin. So, uh, definitely... Shout out to them. Shout out to everybody in Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, and that, well, last bit. Um, M1. There's an M1 card this Friday. Um, it's going to be featuring a welterweight title fight between Lacerda and... How do I say it like that? Lacerda and Rachmanov. Tell them to take... Uh, what's his name back? Uh, wasn't Minikov an M1? Yeah, uh, no, he was at Fight Night. Uh, I think was he at M one? He was he, before, while he was away, he was fighting in Fight Nights. No. Whichever one he was in, y'all got to come scoop him back, man. <laughs> Disgusted with that man. Getting that trash fight. But anywho, <laughs> that's all we got for today's episode. Uh, so we'll close with fighting um, shots and shout outs. Um, I guess just. Shout-outs to the NBA draft. Congrats to, you know, everybody who got drafted. I, I just enjoy seeing people who, you know, had to work really hard for something, and now you get to see all your hard work pay off, get to change your life for one night. It's an awesome feeling. Well, I, I haven't done it yet, but <laughs> I'd imagine it's, it's awesome to watch. So, you know, congrats to everybody. Shout-outs to everybody who got drafted. Uh, and on the video game tip, I've uh, been playing this new game on the Switch called My Friend Pedro. Uh, it's from Devolver, who I want to say had an E3 conference that I did not watch, but this game's really fun. Um, I got a chance to uh, ride a skateboard and shoot people while I was riding a skateboard. It was really fun. The game is a shooter, so like a side-scroller shooter. If you're looking for something on the Switch, um, well, look that up. It's called My Friend Pedro. Pedro is a banana. <laughs> he's a talking banana I know that sounds wild but the game's kind of wild but it's really fun man I'm probably gonna uh, probably play that some more today uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a pretty fun shooter if you're into, into that kind of game but uh, um, yeah that's uh, and, and shout out to uh, I had a couple people on Twitter who bought my book yesterday I don't have them up by name but I appreciate you guys uh, once again, uh, Bar Chronicles on sale for $0.99. Cents. If you want the digital, $8.99. If you want the physical, appreciate you guys uh, who have bought my book. Uh, I don't have any shots. It's a good day outside. Keep positive, positive energy. Um, so that's all I got for parting shots and shout-outs. Um, shout-outs to Jelena Mergenovic, uh, boxer fighting out of Canada. Um, she defended her uh, her title. What was it yesterday? I guess. Yeah, I guess it would be yesterday. Um. Um. Yeah, she defended it yesterday against Vicia Travato. She's the WBA and WBC female featherweight champion. Um. So she's been she's been holding down in boxing forever. She's like over fifty fights, which is crazy for a. Uh, for a woman fight, a woman fighting a, a featherweight. So props to her. Um, 
And yeah, shouts to Lucas Bordon again, because like be holding it down with the Muay Thai kickboxing content on Bloody Elbow. And like Yeah, like I I wanna see kickboxing get to a place where we talk about it as much as we talk about Artemobov and Pauli Malinaji fighting on in a bare knuckle fucking boxing match. Like Cedric Doom baby deserves to be like an international star. Indeed, indeed. So, so, like, hopefully this helps grow the sport just a little bit. Oh, yeah. Any, any, any kind of push helps. But yeah, just support kickboxing. It's awesome. All you guys who complain about it, you don't like grappling in MMA, just watch kickboxing. This. Oh, that reminds me. Shouts to Jarena Barris who signed a, a deal with one championship. Hey. So there we. we go. So if uh, if uh, if. Cyborg. Cyborgs are up to be free. If they're if they really have their hearts set on like eight shows a year and they need stars to put on US television and they need a fight to put on US television, that's the fight. There you go. That's a fight, I should say. It's not gonna get you eighty cards. Right. <laughs> but, you know, for whatever that one card is, that'll that'll be really dope to watch. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen Urena Bar's fight, go uh go look her up, man. She she's a beast. Um but that's all we got for today's episode. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you can give this podcast a listen on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Send questions to dojotalkpodcast at yahoo.com. Hit us up on social media at the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page, as well as the Instagram page. And you can follow me on Twitter, as well as Twitch, at Serial Sensei. That is all we got for today's episode. So as always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we will be there to talk about it. And until next time, we will catch you guys later.